right, we are recording. Welcome to our first ever mobile edition of Booking Pop Culture, not from where I like to call the Mike Nine Studio, but from an undisclosed location in parts unknown. As always, in part with and syndicated through Podcast Detroit. I'm your referee, Rick Vivian, and tonight's bookers are... He's the man standing on your porch, peering into your windows, and now he's allowed us into his lair. Creeper. What's up, son? <laughs> Light him up if you got him. Weighing in at one metric ton, hailing from planet Detroit, he's Bubba McKenzie, he's the mysterious Movado, they are the bumping uglies. hey What's up, babe? <laughs> Thanks for uh, having us there, ref. Absolutely. Woo! Hailing from the law offices of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, our resident pop culture guru and this podcast attorney. First letter of his first name, Jay. Hey, how y'all doing? Good. Good to be here. Yeah, welcome uh, back. Oh, thank you. Welcome back, creep. Hey, yeah, it's been a minute. Thank you, thank you, thank you for braving yourselves and walking into this place. I am actually honored to have all these guys here, so let's get into it, man. Yeah. You've uh, just made those parts known, Creeper. Something is fucking buried here. Right? I, I, I'm getting that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. I know where dead things are. So we've been doing this podcast for a year now, and we've introduced every episode with the B&U track, Fat, Loud, and Drunk. I've wanted to do this from the start, and we've, we've tried to set up something pretty much from day one. Turns out all we had to do was trap in Creeper's Lair with some Billy Sims barbecue. A little bit yeah. of brisket. That was a good start. Was that uh, A lot of bit of brisket. A lot of and, <laughs> and the uh, beans. Beans. Bribe accepted. Okay, <laughs> so here we go. Beautiful sausage. Yeah. <laughs> so we got the mobile gear set up. Finally get to talk all things B&U and talk about big things coming up for Her Dark Host. Before we get to the happenings later this month with Her Dark Host, let's take it back about... 20 years, maybe a little more. Uh, before you guys were a tag team, the Bump and Uglies, they started out as a Detroit punk band, right? Uh, that, that, that would be correct, I suppose. Uh, 1995? Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was the first, the original incarnation of the Bump and Uglies. Okay. March, I, March 1995. I looked up uh, the discography. You had, a, you had a cassette, a self-titled cassette that came out in 97. So 95 was kind of the formation of the B&U? Yeah, the original lineup, uh, a friend of mine named Matt Webster, known as Spaghetti, was the vocalist. We kind of connected through a ad at, I can't remember if it was at a guitar store or if it was like in a jam rag or something, like one of those deals. And uh, Tore off a tab with the phone number and called. Yeah. One of know, those plates with one to start, <laughs> you know angry something punk band I, I couldn't remember but uh yeah and uh so we got together and hung out a few times and wrote some uh insanely juvenile punk songs that were uh fun to play and easy to play didn't have a bass player uh at the time he was living with an old friend of both josh and myself uh, our friend brian um they were our roommates and brian was a drummer at the time and it just kind of you know, we were hanging out at his house, so he just kind of became the drummer, and we did a at least a show <laughs> with that lineup. I don't know if it was actually more than that or not. And uh, soon thereafter, we met uh, through a mutual friend, uh, Rob Rossetti, a uh, bass player. And, you know, Brian uh, is a sweet, sweet guy uh, to this day, one of my very good friends. Uh, but it just wasn't working out musically. He was kind of into a different style of playing than what we were doing we kind of wanted to be a little bit like a tighter more rapid fire mm -hmm. you know um, assault if you will you know and uh josh 
is you know having having been played my entire life with Josh, he's the, the absolute best drummer in in this city. And uh, there was stop. So yeah, we finally. Uh, well, well, actually, Josh was still in high school, actually. Yeah, so. like real on the real. What the what actually happened was <laughs> uh, Brian was ill and couldn't make practice. Um, and we practice was at our house. So right, yeah, so band practice was at our house. I was in another project at the time, the Alan Parsons project, uh, the Ghouls. Okay. And, uh, you know, we were trying to do separate things because we were teenage brothers, and mm. it's not cool to hang out with teenage <laughs> brothers. Um, so we, we kind of went through that for a minute, mm -hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden, that you know, everyone was there for band practice, and Brian couldn't make it. And, you know, Bubba was like, hey, what do you think? You know, you want to play with us? And I'm like, sure, let's, let's throw down. And we kind of, we all started playing, and, like, I just saw everyone look around the room like... This works. Yeah, this really? is good. Like, yeah. and then it was kind of like, oh, who's gonna call Brian? You know, type of a thing. Because we all love Brian. I mean, we were yeah. friends too. From our food, uh, we were in a Colonial Fife and Drum Corps together. So you know, oh, wow. we, we go back. Now that's interesting. Yeah, so we, we go back. <laughs> not, not, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, so baby. We go back. We toured England. We played for the royal the royal family in England right. at the royal tournament in England. Legit? Wait, what? Yeah. Legitimate? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we need as, to. As, we need as, to. As yeah, let's, okay, we got some. <laughs> yeah. Because right now your mom lives in England, right? She does. Okay, is that is it's not no, even connected? Uh, not even connected? No, no, that's just just Sarah. ironic. Yeah, just uh, happens to be coincidence. How? Okay. <laughs> you guys grew up playing. You want to start at the beginning? Should we start I guess, at the beginning? I, yeah, yeah, you know, I didn't write any of this part yeah, down. It's gonna be but, a fucking long one, folks. Yeah. So we grew up. We're old. Grew up. Our our father uh, and our uncle were in bands. Okay. All throughout their lives. Uh -huh. And we grew up uh, as little kids watching them play and literally playing on their instruments and just being excited and being interested in what they were doing. We would watch them practice. We would go along to, you know, to shows when we could, when we were allowed to, right? right. And just generally be uh, little shit kids and, and making trouble, right? Because you're um, like five, six, seven, eight. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. we, we very early started into drums. We were given the choice of what, uh, what musical instrument that we could uh, have lessons in. We weren't limited in terms of like what we could learn, mm -hmm. but just what we, we, what we could afford lessons for. Uh, so we both chose drums. Uh, so we both in, were drummers uh, early on, you know, from the time I was five and you were seven yeah. probably. Uh, and so we, we started drum lessons and just started kind of kicking butt with drums we studied uh, under a le legendary drummer, a guy named George Dunn, legendary jazz drummer around town. He's still still around and uh, yeah, still kicking ass. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, doing these you know, drum fortunate. competitions and things. And you know, my brother here was taking trophies left and right, and and then so it kind of became a thing. Like you know, these brothers were kind of taking these drum competitions by storm, and we were we were kids, you know, especially me being younger than him. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll point that out. Me being right. younger than him, <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> right. I was, yeah. um, but that, so that's kind of what started. And then through that, then we met some individuals in a what was called the Colonial Fife and Drum Corps, like a, a American Revolutionary War reenactment group. Mm -hmm. And everything from the musket, you know, carriers to the flag carriers to the fife uh, players. We were drummers, obviously. So we would lug the huge rope tension, you know, calf skin sinew. Uh, snare drum made like straight up to period. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd have to wear the frock, 
the tricorn hats. We'd have to tie our long, flowing locks of hair that we wet, we had at yeah. the time yeah. in ponytails. Five years and old, six years old. Yeah, yeah. What age? No, were you? no. So that I was eleven or later. twelve when yeah, I joined. Yeah, I, I was probably thirteen. It was uh, the first Michigan Colonial Fife and Drum Corps, which is absolutely yeah. still under around. Brian Logsdon. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely uh, uh, the Logsdon family. Mark, Mark, and Brian Logsdon. Yeah, yeah. very good to us. Uh, accepted us as uh, family and gave us a lot of great opportunities. Yeah, so I was probably 13 years old, Josh being a couple years younger, and we immediately, uh, you know, with them, it, uh, it was a very intensive on the rudimentary drumming, you know, the, there was no, we were used to kind of being like rock and roll guys and, you know, uh, having a good natural ear and getting yelled at by George a lot for, not you know, because we, even though we'd be good, he knew yeah. we weren't, we were playing by ear and not, you know, oh. like reading the material. He said he's a jazz drummer, right? Yeah, he knew, man, yeah. like, you know, you can't. That's, you can't, can't fucking bullshit get one. Bullshit. You can, right, yeah, you can't right. get one past the teach, you know. And you know, George to this day, man, is you know, was a very uh, form formative person in both of our existence. I would say musically for sure, but uh, also the the Logsdon family and the first Michigan Fife Colonial Fife and Drum Corps. So yeah, and it was just kind of a cool, different thing to do that none of our friends were doing. And uh, on the weekends, we go out and do. Uh, they, and to this day, they still do you know tons of parades around town and things like that. And they uh, yeah. Uh, afforded us a lot of really cool travel Incredible. opportunities to be able to play music and travel and kind of do this historical reenactment thing. But yeah. at least for myself, and I'm sure for Josh and some of the other people, it was I was more about the the music for me. You know, what I mean, the, mm -hmm. the historical stuff is very interesting. Always, you know, I've been interested in that, but this was definitely more of a musical thing, you know. But yeah, we we played the old north the old north church old north in church. Boston. Uh, we, we marched the, from Lexington to Concord, like we did that entire yeah. uh, road, and you know, and it's like we were able to uh, Colonial uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, mm -hmm. Fort Niagara. Um, I mean, the places we were able to go, and then England and Scotland. Yeah. yeah what, okay. So what yeah, took so you to the UK? That was, uh, they did a they did a booked a tour of the UK. They had a yearly yeah. tour. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. every couple of years. Yeah, and it was uh, it just ha we happened to be part of the group at the time when that came about, and uh, luckily uh, our folks were sacrificed and you know saved mm -hmm. up the the cash to send us out there. In uh, great opportunity to grab though. Oh man, oh, it, and it was yeah. it was rad, you know, because a lot of the these guys that you know and girls that we were in the core with that we're still friends with not to this day, you know. So there's the camaraderie aspect of it, you know, but. Yeah, but we got to play a lot of, uh, you know, we played a, uh, a veteran's home in uh, was Chelsea, it veterans the Hospital? Chelsea Veterans Hospital. Yeah. I mean, there's dudes from like the Spanish War, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, and uh, these guys were saluting us, you know, getting done playing, you know, and uh, the, the Royal Tournament was in a, probably, you know, at uh, um, in front of the Royal Family, you know, it was a lot of great opportunities. So, yeah, that was just kind of something that we were doing and. Uh, I guess from that point is when Blood Sausage then we, yeah, we started. We kind yeah. of formed it through, yeah. through one of our friends. <laughs> it, the logo. Through one yeah. of our friends, Phil McGuire, Stumpy Phil McGuire. Yeah, we kind of played around you know. in some other bands. I had I'd played drums in a band when I was like 12 called Faded Black with guys that were like in high school, you uh -huh. know, that... Uh, we only Good ever band. Play, yeah, we, it was. We, but we only ever played a, like a battle of the bands and that was kind of it, sure. you know. And uh, Killer though. Josh Chicks dug him. Still, still on drums though. <laughs> yeah, still okay. on drums. And Josh uh, had did something at at some point. 
Yeah, like the, pretty much it was. Other we used than to do the saliva residue demos. Saliva residue. We record homemade yeah. demos a lot and shit and cover songs. And so we did a lot of yeah. stuff like that. The Ghouls just, was my thing with my buddy Ron Gowdy. And we, we played for a little while again, a battle of the bands, you know. Yeah. Right. We didn't really have too many. bands, kind of. You band. know what I mean? But, yeah, and Blood and Sausage then, started uh, through basically through uh, the, the, the core. With uh, Phil McGuire, our, our friend Stumpy on bass, and then Brian, who we mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, was actually singing at the time, and uh, Josh yeah. on drums, and we, you know, we were uh, shitty, we were horrible, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but they I mean, were, we were learning though, good. but yeah. we, we, but <laughs> uh, you know, really but you know, uh, our folks were always like, my dad uh, had a bitchin' fucking PA system in the basement. And they were always cool about us practicing, even though he worked like the gnarliest, like two a.m. shifts at a fucking you guys home are shop. Down the basement jamming, and yeah. he would be, you know what I mean? Like he was totally cool about it. And uh, as far as letting us, you know, and he would get us to shows, man. Yeah. You know? So w- with with Blood Sauce, we started playing like these battle of the bands things, and then I started like trying to get us shows, and we started playing. You know, I was 14 years old. We were playing the original Blondies Club, the the original Ritz on Grass right. Shit. You know, my um, voice was still up here like, <laughs> when I was doing the, the background yeah. singing, and Bubba's voice had changed, so they were at least listening to him. Yeah. But like here, I'm I'm doing Red Hot Chili Peppers covers, You're and I'm singing, but and I'm going, yeah, suck my kiss. Yeah, and like straight up, that's that's <laughs> that's how young we were, yeah. right? And you know, we'd play like Todd's, which became the Marquee Club. Uh, Roosevelt was actually very, very good to us there as far as giving us a lot of opportunities to. And this is before B and U. This is yeah. This is dude like like we're like in uh, you know fourteen. I was probably fifteen, maybe still children. I'm twelve. Not driving like yeah, yeah, like Mm. like pops was driving. My nuts are starting to drop now. (laughs) Okay, now my voice is starting to kick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'd get like a a Tuesday night at Blondie's. You know what I mean? And like and like. Mom and pops would bring out a bunch of their friends and shit and get get hammered and support us, which was always really cool. And we'd get to play these rooms in front of whatever, like 20, 30 people. And, you know, the bands and their girlfriends. Right. Yeah. Right. And Ruzi at the the Marquee Club hooked us up with all the cool, like, opening slots and shit like that. You know, like, we never got paid a dime or anything, but, you know. Experience. We didn't deserve a dime either, but you know what I mean? Like, he'd give us all the free Coca-Colas we could drink. Perfect. He'd usually want us out, like, pretty soon after we played because, like, he knew we were kids. But he never sweated It's not like he didn't have school the next morning either. (laughs) Right. Right? Yeah. Well, we totally would have school the next morning. Yeah, Tuesdays at Blondie's, Wednesdays at... Yeah, and absolutely, you know, you could smoke in bars back then, so we'd be in school, and we were both long hairs and, like... Smelling like... You'd you'd just smell like beer and rot, like, where the fuck are these kids? You know what I mean? Ah, we played a show last night. Called Child Protective Services. Blondie's or whatever. You you were the coolest dudes in the room, weren't you? At school. I don't, I don't know if we, you know, maybe, maybe, but I don't know if we perceived it as such at the time. Okay, it was yeah. just looking know, back. Yeah, yeah, we were definitely the only kids yeah. that were doing anything like that, like in our group of friends, you know, so. Yeah. And Blood you, sausage kind of devolved and, uh, and then, yeah, then pick up where we're, you know, again, uh, so 1995 or something. And, you know, we'd been through a couple other bands. I was in a horrible band called The Aborted. We got banned from the magic bag once. That Did was it? our claim to fame. Because of the name or because of the, the logo name? featured a coat hanger. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Our t-shirts, so. we just put coat hangers on t-shirts and spray, and painted. spray painted over them and then like, oh, you know, like that was yeah. the- well, that's yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Easy Never. merch, man. Clever. No, we had, it's we a positive had, message. We yes. opened up for the Murder Junkies, which was Gigi Allen's band. Like, bring that back. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the year after Gigi died, and they had Jeff from Anti Scene singing with them, and we were like, I was thinking I was sixteen or something, and we had uh, we had like fucking biohazard bags full of stewed tomatoes and like super soakers full of fucking you know <laughs> like, yeah, and like we just like hose down the whole the place. <laughs> Imagine like. You yeah. terrorized the place. Yeah. That's with our buddy Dirty Dan well, Pascal. I wasn't in that band. Oh, yeah, Dirty yeah, Dan. yeah. Dirty so, Dan and and uh, Jay. Jay and Mark. So yeah, Guar was an early yeah, influence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was just you know, we were just shitheads. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't like now. It's like not nearly as hilarious as it was at the it's time. It's pretty fucking funny. Know? But well, for you that yeah. night worked worked out good because we uh, the demolition Dollrods played that night, and oh, so boy. we we met Danny and Margaret Dollrod for the first time, who have. We, we actually had an interaction with them wrestling years down the line, you know, which was pretty funny. Uh, and we got to see Margaret Dalrod changing uh, in front of us, which was very exceptional. Sure. Uh, we got to see their drummer six, have sex with Dino Sex from the Murder Junkies in front of us, which was horrifying, <laughs> but still very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end of the night when we were done, Danny Dalrod gave us two joints. So okay. uh, that was like... For at least for me, it was like maybe rock and roll status. This is what I'm gonna do, yeah. my yeah. whole rock life. And roll yeah. status. You know what I mean? Night. Like, like right. that. That was it. Like that cemented it for night. me. That day it was like one night. Rock yeah, like roll. that was the most fun I'd had. You know what I mean? Like, oh, all of that was in one night. That was all fucking one oh, night. Oh, Jesus! Rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, that was all one night. Jeff Clayton played with the Murder Junkies. He had a, a fucking beer bottle. He broke it on a, the mic stand and hardweighed himself, <laughs> stabbing it into his fucking forehead. Like, and it, he was juicing out. Hardweight is a term man, used. I, I, you know, I was literally like, "Holy fuck, man!" You know, like to this yeah. day, man, Jeff. You, you know, got you got a bag of stewed tomatoes. Friends, this still guy's friends with Jeff Clayton. You know, that guy. I got endless respect for that guy, you know, because then you st- like you're, you know, you get to know the guy, and he, man, he's a wrestling encyclopedia, okay. and I mean, and fucking right. anti scene's a perfect example of, you know, you don't have to make a million dollars or whatever, you know, you can still do what the fuck you want to do, and you know, they're like thirty five years into it, and they're still touring and putting out records, and you know, they can still have lives and have wives and children, and you know what I mean, like living know, life, yeah, but you can, you know, but you don't yeah. have to fucking sell out and you know be be a square, you can figure out a way to scrape by some existence, you know, which is what at least we've been doing this entire time, you know, like and still do exactly what you want to do. You Punk know? rock. Like, so you, and this fig- is, you figure it out, you know, and this is all before the day that you happened to be there at band practice and right. formed the yeah. new, the new bump and ugly. Yeah. And then now we're here. Hi guys. <laughs> so real quick, the name bump and uglies who came up with that. I did. And that's just a, we're just being shitheads, man. Bumping you know? yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think we fancied ourselves like uh, heirs to like the throne of like the meat man the and complex. like the dwarves, you know, and like, I don't know, you know, like just a lot of the GG, you know, like the, cunt. Yeah, yeah, like the shitty fucking, you know, like at the time, you know, I was like 18 worst. and it was like. That's what I thought was hilarious, you know? Exactly. Like, so it, it was fun. like, we can do this shit. And yeah, and eventually, like, you know, Josh joined us at band practice and that, that became it. We got Rob on bass and it wasn't very long after. We did a few shows with that lineup. I don't, do we, I don't know if we re recorded with that lineup. We did uh, like those, remember, we did drinking beer. 
Oh, yeah. We recorded Drink of Beer and maybe one other tune. Yeah, because I was at the time interning to at, a, at the disc at the recording studio. They had a, a recording school over there, and I was an intern. So mm-hmm. as part of my pre- like project for my final, I recorded. We got a little yeah. free studio yeah, time. Yeah, we got some free oh, studio perfect. time. That's right. That's right. We did do that. And then, uh, yeah, we got uh, Rob Rossetti on bass, and then uh, Amato... Uh, the fucking the mad genius yeah. behind all, the best bump and ugly songs and right. except chair shot you know yeah is that a Movado? I don't know I mean you know <laughs> chair shots what, is anyway all, that, all let's Movado, not get that uh, music and lyrics anyway. but uh, Amato was in this band called the Catfish you know and fucking they were awesome you know like they were the best shitheads but just I mean just and we played shows together all the time you know there was like this small crew of guys that would play shows at like places like the Falcon Club or the 404 Willis, you know, which was next to the old Red Door, you know, mm-hmm. and like at record shops and basement parties and fucking wherever, you know, and we got a call one day from a motto. Hey, dude, what's up? Hey, man, like, yeah, the catfish. I don't remember exactly how. I'm sure his version of it's way different because like I've been hitting the head weight entirely too many times. But, <laughs> Not enough. Yes, uh, me. <laughs> Basically, he was like, hey, man, the catfish thing is whatever, falling apart or whatever. Like, you guys want another guitar player? And I think I was like, yep. Like, you know, like, yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we can have a model in our band. Like, that's the boom, guy. sign us up, you know? Like, and. Uh, that's what, like, that's what really kind of made the band. Yeah. Really? Like, we were, we it were was, doing yeah, stuff. Everything prior to that was just like, like. We were doing stuff. We fiddled around. We had some songs, you know, and then like a model came in. And all of a sudden, it was like all of a sudden the band got juice. None of us have ever done juice, but I'm saying the band were just <laughs> injected <laughs> and just like that bam, we just yeah, because he just brought that energy. Amato is has. a very prolific uh, songwriter. To this day, he is is uh, also the Bill Bondsman was a post, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, also Rob Rossetti's in that band, and he's also his newest band, the Devious Ones. I mean, it's like a motto shining, you know, it's a brilliant fucking power pop, you know, rad hooks, you know what I mean? Like 70s production, you know, like the dude literally ble- bleeds awesome songs and comedy, you know, and mm-hmm. like just a genuinely fucking awesome guy. I mean, and Rob as well, you know what I mean? Like we de- like Josh said, that was like wonder like the superpowers united you know what i mean like that was the band like in my opinion like the bumping uglies would never do something like with a filling guy right right like it just wouldn't happen like if 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 one of us couldn't do a gig oh right even right, to this right, day like at least right. in, my, in my opinion right. no absolutely I mean? like, right like we couldn't like if josh is like dude like I, i'd love to do that show but i'm gonna be wrestling here you know and i can't you know like i couldn't ever think of like you know even though we know a hundred great drummers in this town that would right. be that, honored that could play it and, and would be honored to even sit in, in his seat. You know what I mean? Or any of the guys, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, but I just wouldn't do it's it. It's not the band. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. do it. We were other bands, you know what I mean? Like, you know, heard our coast hasn't really had to have a fill in yet, but I know the time is coming where it'll happen just because of the, everyone that I've hired in the band is so busy, you know? Yeah. But bumping uglies, it was once it was the the four horsemen of rock and roll, man. That was it, you know. And the wrestling thing kind of started, 
you know, Amato just started really pumping out songs about it because we're all fucking diehard wrestling fans. Yeah. So real quick, uh, the album uh, Band of a Thousand Holds that came out in '98. Was he already in the band at that yeah, point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those those the songs yeah. in there would be Amato. You all know? right. Um. And kind of at the same time, we we had pursued. Like at the, around the, this time is when we ha, would have started like showing an interest, interest in getting involved with wrestling. So the the ICP guys had a, a ring and a, an access and everything else, and that's kind of how we got our our start through knowing them dudes through some other you know through a record store I used Just to work through at gigs, actually. yeah, yeah, no, not through gigs. Oh. it was a record store I used to work at. And, okay. Uh, that began a long road of them guys, you know, giving us a lot of great opportunities too, you know. But uh, that's kind of how we got started, and I guess I I started actually training first with Denny Cass, you know. Yeah. Uh, but Josh certainly excelled way, <laughs> you know, always was far ahead, like athletically and uh, at the time when they were training, you know, than, yeah. than I ever was, at, was to this, you know. At the time when you and Dirty Dan were training, yeah, I was involved in martial arts. Um, and it was the same night as my karate class. Yeah. Like Ishinru, uh, Okinawan style. So at the time that I was committed to that, you know, and it was kind of like, ah, I really want to do this, but, you know, and, and like Got the more, karate. the more, yeah, it was funny because the more and more they did it, the more and more I would show up and I was doing these events without really training either. Okay. Oh. But then I started to get the bug and everything. And so then I was doing my karate class and then I'm, I'm starting to, know mess around like i'm a pro wrestler like an idiot right you know which is the last thing you want to do when you're taking any kind of a self-defense or a martial arts right <laughs> so uh and it's, it was at it was at different. that i was i made it all the way up to second degree brown i was just about to to get to to where i was looking at black and things mm-hmm. but um i didn't take it seriously it's one of the things i regret not finishing but at the time you know uh bubba was able to benefit from the training from denny cast which was super cool um and yeah i just kind of i flaked on that aspect of it and thought eh, i know I, I know what a clothesline is i know what a, yeah. i know what a suplex is <laughs> i know what a body slam <laughs> is right you know you can it, it, there's there, the proof is in the pudding man it's on youtube you know yeah so but national that, all-star wrestling naw you, you can find it yeah. <laughs> it was pre you, you pre jcw yeah. pre jcw okay and they would yeah. do events so, where they would offer free pizza free beer Free Fago for everybody, and of course, uh, yeah. you know, come show up to the warehouse, and we 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 would have sell out, quote unquote, like packed events where people that With hardly knew, lighting, you yeah, know, smoke, whole, fog, yeah. lights, just because they wanted to do it, you know. Those, so they're those they're guys doing always been good like that, yeah. like you know, extensive like, backyard shows, basically, yeah, exactly, yeah. Just absolutely, guys. exactly, yeah. yeah. That's, that's how, how we, we well. That's how we would, actually how we met American Kickboxer. Right, is, oh, there uh, you go. They would eventually they would actually bring in. And Tarek. Some guys, you know, because Breyer. people forget that that uh, Joe Violent J had started uh, was it was an indie wrestler before ICP. Right. You know what I mean? Corporal Daryl Daniels, you yep. know, and uh, Hector Hatchet was legitimate like gimmicks that he had. You know, there's old cable access footage of him wrestling as Corporal Daryl Daniels and shit when he's like, you know, like yep. pre IC. You know, so they actually had some, you know background in the, right. the local wrestling community you know and that was our bad that was our back door in you know that's how we got to meet guys like malcolm and rose senior sweet daddy you know and we used to go to his shows at the motor city sports club like the bump and uglies we'd practice and then go like go hang out like let's, let's go to the fucking icw show or you know whatever it was and like his 
you know, at the time, that's when like hardcore wrestling was like this. Yeah, cr- yeah. You know, we like that's when we first met guys like Madman Pondo and you know, Sick shit. Rick Matrix. Sick Rick, yeah, the Death Dealer. You know, like, you know, guys on these shows were like the Headbangers. Yeah. Like, um. Yeah. Uh, Ian Rotten. At yeah. The time. Sure. So this um, is like late '90s, mid to late '90s. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like '96, '96. Yeah. Okay. And we yeah. were, you know, we were kind of training and doing these kind of like backyardy shows, and but not, you know, but still, basically, we we're just a band that was just, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually, uh, did was afforded an opportunity with Malcolm to uh, with Sweet Daddy to work on one of his shows through the the ICP connection, and we were t- at least for myself and Dirty Dan were completely un unprepared for the that situation and not properly trained and not ready to go and uh did they see did they see that yes and and so (laughs) yeah they squashed the fuck out of us so i'm watching i'm watching in the crowd right oh okay i'm watching the original ritz uh, over on grashit now yeah I'm watching, and they are stinking it up. This was a dog collar match, nonetheless, because obviously when you put two people in there who don't know anything of what they're doing, you're going to give them a gimmick match, yeah, right? Yeah. And they so, booked us against each other instead of, like, oh, giving yeah, someone that could have yeah, got us through a match. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, but so, we were ready. We sucked. It was horrible. So it was really bad. And all of a sudden, uh, out comes the West Side Connection. Which was the Cole brothers and Tony Smalls and DBA. DBA. Yeah. And uh, background, <laughs> backstage, they had been sent out. Yeah, yeah. Because, all right, this is, <laughs> this is bad, guys. up. Yeah. Go end this. And that was, that was interesting. Um, you know, with, with me, not, I mean, us not really knowing, right, mm-hmm. what was going on at the time. And I'm seeing this. I was like, what the F is happening right now? Like, this is. And they weren't too happy about it. I know that. Yeah, and, I got uh, my nose broken. Uh, <laughs> fucking Dirty Dan. Uh, one of the Cole brothers shoot power bombed him off the top. He tried Just to get out of the up. ring, and they caught him in the corner, and they fucking shoot power bombed him. And he was like legit fighting. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the they, they fucking Tony Smalls threw me into the front row of chairs, and it's like. Busted my fucking nose. I mean, they just came in and beat the shit out of us. Now, rightly so. Now, in okay. hindsight, that's one hundred percent without question what exactly should have happened. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, like we deserve no fucking better. You know what I mean? Because number one, we disrespected the business by underestimating what it took to be in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we had a great opportunity. We were stinking it up. You know, and fucking that's one hundred percent like. The ass kicking we needed to go. All right, do you want to fucking really do this or yeah, or stay away? Get the fuck out, you know. Yeah. Like, I remember Rhino was at that show. Yeah. And it was embarrassing, man, because they beat the fuck out of us. And like, you know, fancying myself a guy that like generally doesn't get the beat the fuck out of too often. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how yeah. many of them though? But yeah, there was yeah. literally nothing. And then, and then, plus you realize yeah. like this is a locker room thing. It's not like yeah, this yeah, ain't yeah. a like we're fucking hot on the deal. Of course, you know yeah. what I mean? Like fuck, like. But it's like, what are you really going to fucking do at the right. time? And, you know, but at the end of that night, uh, Malcolm Monroe Sr. handed me and Dirty Dan each $20, which is more than I would have done for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no way I would have paid anybody that was, came and stunk up my ring like that. But he totally fucking paid us. And I'll never forget that, you know, like, because was that righteous, was a righteous. baptism by fire. Like, it was right. kind of like. And then he returned and, and, book, and booked us. Yeah. Yeah. And so then booked me, and then I was on a couple of the events. Yeah. So, and but you guys weren't tagging yet. No. No. Okay. But yeah, that ended up kind of being our backdoor in. Like we didn't really fucking bitch about it. We didn't, you but, know, make a big stink, and we kept showing up. Took your lumps. 
we kept, you know, like, can we help with the ring? Can, you know, a- anything, you know, and uh, oh my god, you took yeah. the road. I love hearing that kind of yeah. Thing. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, took, you take the road, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it wasn't too long after that we we're playing shows, and again we're you know, especially with Amato's, uh, we were decidingly writing more songs about wrestling mm-hmm. because it's fucking fun. And right? it was really hot too and at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This this wrestling was, was huge. We loved this. Was the raw was is hot. war Monday yeah. night yeah. war yeah. fucking so we're era like, of wrestling? Let's capitalize. ECW right. is hot as fuck right now. Like. Yeah, it, uh, everyone is uh, hot on Japan. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all the there's smart marks fucking tape everywhere. Trading. Tape trading was huge. There's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. just pre-internet, but there's fucking yeah, hotlines the, the, uh, and the newsletters and the four three eight hotline. Right. ML curling pager numbers. Or we ended up starting our own four three eight hotline at one. Oh, point. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Those free press yeah, ones. I remember those. Yeah, man. And uh, that's actually how we met Ron Showtime. Oh, which is how we formed IWR Wrestling. We'll because, slow down here. But yeah, somebody else I was, first. I was yeah. gonna say real quick. Well, but but, but Showtime had the the hot the hotline. Oh, and we used to the independent. Yeah, we used to Star call Wars. his hotline. Yeah, you know, that, it was him that. and Robert Hanley and uh, Pat Patrick Burton. Uh, what was his gimmick uh, name? I forgot. Oh, he's gonna be mad, man, because he'll be like one of the people that'll definitely listen to this. Oh, <laughs> Montreal's <laughs> finest, Pat. I'm sorry, Pat, bro. I forgot your Patrick, gimmick name, bro. What the hell? It's on the tip of my tongue. Writing a note, <laughs> but those guys—they had—they—they—they they, they were one of the many hotlines. You know, uh, Brian Gorey had a, a hotline. Yeah. The Gypsy Dan Curtis had a hotline. ML Curley, the convicted yeah. child molester, oh, yeah. had a hotline. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. he, real quick, ML Curley's how I got my first tickets to a local indie show. Yeah, I yeah. I how old were you? But I was, but well, I was, <laughs> I was like twenty-five years old, at and that it point. haunts you still. <laughs> well, then to hear all the stuff, yeah. yeah like, yeah. but I was outside of his age range. Let's just yeah, say, yeah, right, right, yeah. Right. He wasn't. In, he yeah. had some. Yeah, there was something. Uh, just real quick, it was, it was a, you know, trivia thing, and I remember the answer being Brainbusters. I called in, and and got the right answer. Got a couple tickets. It was a, you know, it was basically to go see Sabu. The ring truck didn't show up. This was at like Inkster High School. And they wanted to have them wrestle on the wrestling mats, and the you know the boys were like, "No, it's not going to happen." And then somehow that parlayed into tickets to a Lincoln Park show. And this is probably ninety Malcolm Seniors shows. Yeah, this yeah. is like ninety two. <laughs> your 93? first, your first indie wrestling gimmick, and you get Ring the run around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least there were three that? tickets. Was it any indication yeah. exactly what was that? Was an come? indication. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but real quick, uh, Creeper. Now you fall into this at a certain point i want you yeah, to jump in the records okay i hung out with my buddy kurt and we were huge wrestling fans and he's like uh icp fans too and uh come to the, come to this record store and meet bubba he likes wrestling and i walk in dude's got an ecw shirt on I'm like, <laughs> must right, be him what's up dude sell me that tape and uh some other icp stuff and what's up with wrestling blah blah blah, blah. come to hellfire i was like oh, okay and I seen this thing, and I bought tickets, and I walked in, and my mind was blown, forever changed. So this record store was. And I came back, and I just basically was like on my knees. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> I was just like, "Holy shit, dude! You were in the ring! What the hell?" You know, like he worked me. He's like, "Come to the show." I was like, "Okay." And I go, in, and he's in the ring during a battle royal, yeah. which I think ended in gunfire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was just like, I was what? like, I was, oh dude, yeah, that's a whole story in itself. At Huck was one of the referees, and he ended up being parked in front of us, and all of the whole street got their windows broken, and their cars were all robbed, so we're all on the street. Like, oh wow, this is awesome. What do we do? Welcome to Detroit. 
Yeah. Again. Welcome to indie wrestling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And um, and then later I met Josh, which is even funnier. He came and saw my band. You know, through uh, completely separate through Through my uh, martial arts class. Okay, Uh, one of the one of the black belts, and actually my trainer. um, His her niece was graduating, and it was a it was a her niece was my friend. So it's graduation. So I show up over there for this. Your band played the party, the the graduation party. They're they're playing Rage Against the the Machine. Yeah, we did play. (laughs) That's basically all we. That's cool though. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, me and. You know, a couple songs she wanted. Doug us and I, we I, I we start ever do that. chatting it up about oh wrestling and hot hits and oh yeah oh you know my brother and all this and that. Oh, we got to go in the garage back there and let's go let's go do there. some wrestling. We and there was there was a ring back. Oh okay, there, right behind the damn oh, was, the record store. Was yeah, hot yeah. hits the record store. Yeah, hot okay. hits was the record store I worked at. So, uh, at what at some point. Uh, the ICP guys basically uh, were getting new, all new shit because they were taking the wrestling way more serious. Like the Stranglemania tapes that actually come out at that point right. and were like blowing up. And so they, uh, they're like, "Hey, you guys want a ring? <laughs> you want the, <laughs> you want the old ring? You know?" So it was between us and Brian Gorey. L- yeah. Years later, I find out both of us were offered the ring. Oh, I didn't. Oh, see, I'm getting kayfabe left and right on this one. So on this deal because I didn't know that. So either. it was offered to us. And it was offered to Brian Gorey. It was basically stated like whoever can uh, come get it first. Was this free? Yeah, yeah. So, oh. so we arranged yeah. for the rental truck. Yeah, haul ass. We yeah. went and got it and said, "Yep, we got it." And so by the time Brian was able to put something together, we had got well, it. One plus, I had already. Like, so I, he, I, he was, was salty was, about it at the yeah, time, but you know, years thinking, later, we we find this out. Well, and I I, I was thought like living on my own, had a house and everything else, so we had we someone store to store it. To, to, to at least oh keep yeah, it, yeah. You know, so. And then they open the doors up to this mark. I get uh, in the ring and I see Shaggy Two Dope's face paint on the ring. I guess it was in the movie. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. And then I would see the movie later on. I'm like, Mick Foley was in this ring. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just gonna take a nap in this ring right now. Yeah, a lot of history. Like a, there was like a, love like a, to this ring. Yeah. A garage, like a utility garage behind the record store that wasn't used for anything, and it was literally like, I mean, there was no power. It was horrible, man. It was you know barely. But there was a ring there. there. But we we kept the ring in there, and that was like our where we would train and work out, and you know we'd be there out in the fucking winter time, like everyone would be wearing like parkas and like winter coats and shit in there, and like you know like practicing bumps, you know, like it was all chain wrestling and bumps. And like and everybody, you everybody you that you've high, you know, yeah, 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 and everybody that you've mentioned has been in. I've been in the ring, you know what I mean? Like all those guys, and you guys just do crap out of us there. Yeah, yeah and, and creep started, you know, just like hanging out and being in like, you know, being down to help, you know, help move stuff around. It was like just kind of. Now, what year are we in right now? This is still late nineties. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Talking. Okay. Yeah, Ninety eight. Ninety nine. So and, and like during the whole the National All Star Wrestling days, mm-hmm. like that's like when we met Inferno, Marcus. Zebro's so, championship, right? Zebro's championship. Yeah. Who, who's the guy? The guy, the, the, right over the there. genius madman behind Zebro's championship belts. There's one uh, right over there, by the way. <laughs> through another mutual friend, and it was like you guys should, you know, hang out. Like you guys both like wrestling, you know. And I think we got him to come out to the NEW shows. Are you guys a tag team yet? No. No. 
No. Still not. No, we, so we, we, is, we refused. We refused. This is still banned. No hood. So it's still right. like the band. And, and by the way, we, I mean, I, you know, it was Playboy Bubba McKenzie, Dynamic Josh Movado. So right. we weren't, we were never acknowledging yeah. that we're brothers. Amato Movado. So he, yeah, that, he and that I was always, those are the twins. That was always yeah. the yeah. funny gimmick angle with the, the bumping on. It's on that one album cover. Yeah. 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 Prior to me being, you know, golden buff tan. Right. And mysterious. Yeah. So that was always the gag, you know. So mysterious. But, uh, yeah, these guys let me come on stage and like, I don't know, like I never really went to concerts, but when I did, there were metal shows. So when I go to a punk rock show, I'm like, wow, I am way more comfortable here. And <laughs> yeah. we basically like we wrecked people. the place. Yeah. I got to hang out backstage Mayhem. and then go out on stage and get set on fire and throw garbage cans, barbed wire and tables. And our first show, you like suplex me off a of stage and we missed the table. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh my God, dude, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. And he bites me in the face. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then flame table. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah like, that, that was the clue, too. Because yeah. I was just like, wow, these guys are kind of beating the crap out of me, but this is wrestling. And he power bombs me through a flaming table and has the courtesy to smack me on the back to put me out. I'm like, oh, all right. But these, these guys are cool. You know? So, yeah, this, this was around the time when. They won. You know, so, first show. we had dis- decided. I don't know that we should probably do something to set ourselves apart as a band because we were playing a lot of shows and building a following, you know, and people were into what we were doing, but we were always like, you know, like the fifth band on like an eight band bill that cold as life or the feisty ever's headline, you know, and which was awesome, you know, like we cut our teeth with some of the, you know, Mm -hmm. like the, the premier bands and in front of like, Real motherfuckers, you know what I mean? Like the the bump and ugly, to my opinion, we stand the test of time musically and everything else. Like as the last show we did was proof in the pudding, you know, because we were tested and tried in fire, you know, like in those days shows were fucking wild, you know absolutely. What I mean? Like you, so like coldest life shows would were fucking full blown riots, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it, you know what I mean? Like it was just gonna happen, you know. Where I mean? where did like, those go down at? So like the Magic Stick, mm-hmm. the Falcon Club, mm-hmm. uh, the Foundry, really some of these play at the Shelter, yeah. you know. So uh, we basically had a, now we had not, we didn't just have the Bump and Uglies with us. We had Creep, uh, my very good friend Dirty Dan was on board with us all the time. Uh, Mad Marcus, Man Pondo, Inferno, Marcus. right? Like those dudes were like. On board Baby powder, this whole, this whole thing, and then Garrett, uh, Genghis Ganj, he's a Detroit hip hop artist, MC Genghis Ganj, uh, another guy I met through the record store. Same deal, you know. Gavin Starr, Brian Wellington. We had a uh, Jamie Cox. Another one. We had like a. But it was was probably like the the, the smaller like nucleus of guys where we like kind of were like, maybe we should start doing wrestling gimmicks as part of the fucking stage show. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, construct a set in such a way where there's a storyline, a fucking baby face and a heel, you know? Hair shot challenge, little gimmicks for Yeah, like, you know, because it was just like, we wanted to make our shows the craziest, funnest. Like, like it was kind of like, what what can we do? Like, when people are going to leave these shows, they're going to go, that was the craziest shit I ever fucking saw. You know, what what's going to, like, 20 years later gonna have people going dude i saw you guys one time you know and we get that you don't know all the time many, yeah you know, you don't like, know how many like, there's so that. many people that like to this day have like their bump and ugly story like you know and it's usually long. exaggerated you know oh, 10 oh yeah times. it always is man like but some of them aren't 
which yeah. is nice. They're usually on around exactly what happened, but it's always way yeah, better in yeah. their eyes than it was in ours. Yeah. So I, I couldn't even tell you the first show that we. Oh, with wrestling. Yeah. I, I I couldn't either. But, but when we, we we that was kind of it. Like we would kind of write a little storyline. We would already kind of get in it, getting into being outlandish, like with like dressing up. Mm-hmm. With costumes, you know, being goofy. We all yeah. dyed our hair blonde once when we all had hair. Yeah, uh, that was for a gimmick. Bleach like blonde, like Bobby the Brain. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. we thought that was a good idea. I remember that. That was yeah. good. that was good. Yeah, just for a fucking for an angle. For I a, never for a show, that was fun. You know? I was always a heel. <laughs> and we would and we slowly but surely started doing these shows where we would actually you know like we had a you know we'd get introduced you know like in a standard wrestling format you uh-huh. know and. You know, the set is scheduled for 12 songs with a time limit of, you know, whatever, you know. And Ref would come out and, and ring Yeah, the bell. and we'd, we'd do a deal with figure it out, like whoever the, you know, like generally at some point, you know, either Dirty Dan and Marcus yeah, or whoever could, you know what I mean? Like if Dirty, you know, like everyone changed <laughs> I, roles, you know what I mean? Like I ref your show like three years ago. You guys did a B&U show and I mean, I just ran out from the crowd and counted a pinfall. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was very exciting. That's Very right. exciting moment See? for me. Yeah, yeah, like, you know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> it, it, we would just start working these angles, and then it was like, again, this was the era of hardcore wrestling, ECW, <laughs> you know. Uh, all the shit we were doing on the indies at that time was fucking Crimson Mask, mm-hmm. you know, tables, fucking chair shots, super stiff, you know. Like, that's what people were eating up, you know. Like, every fucking match on every card, you know, was... That's how we had to get over. We weren't very good. Yeah, totally. You know, <laughs> admittedly, we had shit. We, we didn't have we didn't have good yeah. looks. We, you know, we had shit gear. You know, but we were just wild. You know, so we started working it as the angle. Then that's when we became the Bump and Uglies tag team. Okay, because we started like repping the Bump and Uglies like brand yeah. as the band as a tag team. Like we're like we're gonna be the first crossover guys. Like a lot of bands have sung about wrestling. Like, you know, a lot of, you know, the dictators and, you know, so many great bands, you know, anti-scene, you know, like, have definitely, we're not the first ones to, you know, like, incorporate wrestling into, like, rock and roll, but we're, like, we're going to be the first yeah. ones to be, you know what I mean, like, branch out and be, like, the wrestling fucking, like, uh, I don't know. You know, yeah. it was twofold. It's funny because yeah. it was like you had you had with our wrestling, right? We we were we were with the music. We were trying to set ourselves apart, so we we injected the wrestling, right? The poison <laughs> inject, right? We put that in there, and but at the so but at the same time with our wrestling, we needed something. Yeah, therefore, us being this musical act, right? The band, this entity, as the Bump and Uglies, is just what we needed. For wrestling, whereas for the music, just what we needed was was wrestling. So it's like it fed into each other. Yeah. Now, now real quick, um, we're talking about wrestling and and mentioned that you guys were working singles, and you made it sound like you guys never wanted to tag as brothers. And now, did that something change? Or it just wasn't really in the plans. We weren't thinking about it at the time. Okay. We were just more single minded in terms of we were in the band together. Yeah. I don't think I don't think either one of us had had any grand illusions of where wrestling would take us at that point. You know, like I, you know, like I just thought it'd be cool to do. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, was trying to to do it, but definitely not like to the level where we eventually got to, and definitely not to the level where Josh is today. You know, but it was just. uh, you know, kind of a, you know, like this, like he said, this could be a, we could work this angle both ways, you know, mm-hmm. because now like, you know, 
we become a tag team as the Bump and Uglies. You know, the other guys weren't too interested in it. Although in the beginning, they would often come to the matches yeah, yeah, and as, be like, "As our valet," and they'd yeah, be yeah, like yeah. outside the ring. They'd be, our, you Which know, makes what I mean? sense. Like yeah, you know, like our 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 faction. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like they often would be. You know what I mean? Would you know? And we would still, you know, once we down the road started promoting wrestling and stuff, we would work angles like have Inferno team with. CK, you know what I mean? Like we would bring stuff angles that we had from the stage, you know, with Inferno or whoever, yeah. you know, and then have that work into a fucking match, yeah. you know, and Hondo and Necro Butcher, those guys. Yeah, yeah. and you know, like in oh, yeah, and Creep and Garrett and these guys and those we're like more than willing to like let us like just fucking do whatever we wanted to them. Like we could be like, all right, oh. pile drive well, them you, through a steel chair. Like no, let's let's get let's my favorite. You probably have some better time. ones. You probably remember more than I do. The, the song "Interspecies Swinger" when we had like giraffe masks on, and I think it was during a Halloween show. So the whole thing was costume after costume. Uh-huh. We were Teen Wolf, I believe, at the beginning. Yeah. Of the and uh, yeah, interspecies swinger, and you made we we were dancing on either speaker on either side of you wearing these like uh, plastic, you know, the vinyl plastic masks. One was a giraffe and a lamb, and we were throwing fucking uh, snack cakes in the audience. <laughs> Dirty Dan's running around with a hockey helmet on with the with the screen, uh-huh. and, and he's running through like a mosh pit because he's trying to be a ref, trying to tell everyone to call him, you know, doing a ref thing. Oh, okay. And I just remember, like, you know, I'm eight feet in the air, and I just tagged him right in the face. And it was just with like snack the best cake? pitch, yeah. And the sea of people that was all in a giant pit. And I'm like, hey, Dirty Dan, whap, and he had the goalie mask. It was great. It was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it just kind of worked out, you know. Like it wasn't even a, the wrestling, you know. Like I, you know, as it we had now had an identity wrestling. We were the the kings of rock and wrestling, or you know what I mean. We were, and the, it was it was a wild stage show, yeah, completely you know, separate from we, anything else that happened that night. Like when the Bump and Uglies came out, it was a whole spectacle thing rather than just a band. Yeah, yeah like we we got to the to point where nobody wanted to play after us, you know. And oh. it wasn't because we were the. You know the most accomplished musicians on the bill. Certainly. Although, although you know, I mean, we're not slackers either. You know what I mean? But at the same time, Bubba can shred. Don't let him clown. But you. like but. The, uh, the, our goal was to be like to the point where like nobody was gonna want to follow us. You know, like we, we had a couple incidences where the, bands kind like, of the kiss theory. Yeah, well, that's it. That's what we were well, and I'm up. a huge yeah. Yeah. anyone that Come knows. On, you know, we're on. actually both huge Kiss marks and Kiss, and, Alice, Cooper, Alice Cooper, any of those big theatrical uh, stage shows. Yeah, right. man, it is leaves you where with it was an impression of if something exactly. that's more. You know what I mean? And, Iron uh, Maiden. You, you see Eddie come out. I mean, the Meat Men's great. Tesco V is a perfect example of someone doing it more on the underground level. You know what I mean? Like the guy that was like, you you could still like be quote unquote punk rock and have your fucking street cred with all the douchebags who like want to accuse you of being a sellout the, the moment you, you get some new gear or, you know what I mean or whatever uh, yeah, yeah I've seen someone say nice tights to Bubba once when he's wearing his red white and blue and he's like, what'd you say motherfucker this is punk rock bitch like right in his face didn't hesitate nothing got right in his face and punked him out and he's like oh, I'm sorry okay I'm sorry oh, aggro dude he's wearing a feather boa and yeah, red yeah. white and blue tights and he's the maddest one in the room yeah yep. he's, he's the biggest meanest motherfucker in any room exactly Exactly. Well, you know, I mean, well, the wrestling, a lot of the wrestling shows with the Bump and Uglies did devolve into actual, I mean, like, because fucking people get out of line, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Josh, Josh does Everyone cross body excited. Is really, yeah, really so, good. And, and that's where our, our brotherhood really tightened up, you know, because, like, even though we'd be out there battling 
you know, Inferno and Creep and, and Baby Powder and, who, you know, Pond, whoever the fuck it is, you know, and some dickheads fucking is, throwing beer bottles at you. We're the bad guys. become a united front, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah we're so, the bad guys. I yeah. was kicked in the head many times because I'm working with these guys, but then the fans are on Yeah, because we're the baby face yeah. and they're the heels, you know? Like, we had a lot of incidents And like we're literally where, surrounded where, by people. There's no ring, there's no yeah, nothing. Yeah, we we're definitely had a lot of it's issues. It's a real heat. You tell me if wrestling's real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, because that era in wrestling is long gone where, yeah. you know, heels would be attacked. You know, me and Josh have had a couple yeah. close calls over the years. <laughs> Car tires uh, slashed. You know what I mean? Like we, kind we, of an we honor. Were, we were heels a, a few different times where it was, we've had to get, get the fuck out of Dodge. You know what I mean? Because, like, we had so much fucking heat. But not like the legendary heat you, like where, you know, Angelo Mosca getting fucking stabbed 14 times. You know what I mean? Like. Nothing like that, yeah. but these bump and ugly shows were legit, you know, because they were pretty you know, damn close like, you'd get that. people were shit faced and you know, they just want to get part of the action and everything else and like we you know yeah, limits and inhibitions the, seemed to melt even, away. Even funnier was that some of the guys <laughs> tried to act like they were hip and try to work. Right. They obviously couldn't because it was very quick that I could take them down, you know what I mean? And then when they, anybody saw that I was struggling, there was something really quick happening. I was like, All right. Very comfortable with these guys, so it was nothing but a good time. For well, me. and that's so I, I wrote down a topic that hooked on the ooh, a topic. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, in yeah. my in my list of when I get into the B and U tag team, and we haven't even we're just starting there. But ever since I've been in the locker room, there's always been that talk of well, that wouldn't have happened if if you know the uglies were here, or that wouldn't have happened <laughs> back you know ten years ago if if uh, you know Bubba and Josh were here. Whatever, whatever it was. So, like, there's a, and I wrote down locker room justice, be it the boys in the ring or the fans. You guys maintained that almost on an indie scene, but to that, like, Undertaker level of, I, I don't know, just keeping things in line? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's probably a surprise for you guys, huh? Uh, Again, I, I think some, I uh, talking about. some of the stories grew. You know, yeah, I th there's probably some incidences <laughs> that are, you know, have, you know, some people's versions of them have changed, and we, including mine, you know. Uh, but we, we're kind of guys that were always raised around no-nonsense people, you know. Yeah, our dad wasn't very much for, um, I don't know, beating around the bush or, yeah. or accepting uh, disrespect. And so he wasn't a violent guy, but no, you, not but at you all. knew but, that his catcher mitt hands, if if angered, would take your fucking head off. Yeah. So you just yeah. you know, like he just commanded respect. Like the most reasonable, times. you know, hardworking dude you'd would ever meet, but like you'd wanted to be on his side. But no one ever Honestly, talked shit to him, fair, ever, right? You know, and like <laughs> so, so that's just like how that's, that's how, how we were raised. Raise. So yeah. that's where I come from, you know, and uh Definitely uh, not going to sit here and try to claim, you know, we're not like these hardcore scene tough guys and everything else, but through, th you know, just through some of those early shows with the uglies, I mean, shit got fucking hairy yeah, at a lot of We never of went shows. looking for trouble, but it's your problem. Yeah, like we're literally we trying to get away from it. When it like where you had to fucking fight, like legit, like fight, and shit got fucking real hairy. We're fighting each other, and now we have to fight the crowd. Yeah, you know what shit. I mean? Like, and, you know, there's just certain things, you know, People try to fucking test you, you know, and uh, everybody thinks it's a joke. And, what we do is and, a joke. And then so also, on it, you know, not not long after that, we started promoting our own wrestling shows. Right. Basically, because we had a ring and we had access to a building, and we had oh, some great friends, behind, you know, that were all rallied around us. That were like, 
we could all fucking do this together. And that's literally how that shit started. You know, and this it was, was like, IWR. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was like we could run shows just like a punk rock show. Like we'll we'll charge a ticket price. We'll split it up even, you know what I mean? Like, we're not going to, like, sit here and promise, guarantee, you know, whatever, and we'll see what we can do with it, you know? And But you start you started learning that, man, like, even though dealing with musicians is a fucking pain in the ass sometimes, mm. you get 20 fucking 30 guys in a locker room, mm. you know, and, you know, it's a high testosterone environment. There's uh, alpha males, yeah. Take all the class clowns from every school district and yeah. put them all in one room. Yeah, you know, like the wrestling business. But again, like coming from like like the rock and roll underground that we had come from, it really was. It's the parallels are fucking insane. Like yeah. we've had like we're one of the few bands, tag teams, whatever that can have have actually seen it from both sides, have lived it from both sides, right? But you could sit here and like a wrestler could talk with some guy in a band and go, "Holy fuck, man! It's the same. It's like kindred spirit because hours in a shitty van with shit. with your friends, you mm-hmm. know, to like get Hang forty bucks, or like you know, to yeah. like sleep on a fucking flea infested floor, to you know what I mean, like shifty promoters, like, like, yeah, like it's, it's it's all the same shit, man. Like you know, like it's it's literally the same struggle, you know, like the the parallels are insane, you know. So, all right, kind of. So, it, I think ahead. just the, the whole, to, to answer your question, once you start running running a show, like, you have to fucking be respected, you know? And we just never accepted any bullshit on our shows. But it was never, I don't think, like, unwarranted, you know what I mean? Like, no, you, you if, understood if, if what I or Josh ever got, been there. got loud or whatever, you know? Th- there was a fucking reason, you know? And if anything has ever gotten physical in any of the situations that we've had over the years, and they have, it, had, it had, has had, you know, it's happened, it wasn't because we were looking for a fucking fight. It's because, so, you know, something went down that wasn't fucking cool, and... Something needed to be corrected. Yeah, you know, someone either tried to hurt you, tried to shoot on you, tried to fucking rip you off, yeah. you know? These are all things that we've dealt with and, like, are just not acceptable, you know? With ICP, we've had issues, you know, with the fucking crowd fighting us, fucking, you know what I mean, like swinging on you and stuff. Throwing, you know what I mean, like you got to fucking deal with that because I'm, I'm, I'm sure Josh is the same. You know, I'm old school when it comes to protecting the business. You know, everyone knows it's predetermined. You know, I'm not gonna use the F word. You right. Know? Thank you. Right, but you know, we everyone knows what it is, but at the same time. Any yeah, wrestler that's no fucking, fucking made it, that's, you know, is tough. You know, like you don't, you can't be a pussy and be a fucking wrestler. And we've been around lots of pussies in wrestling sure. that f- don't fucking last. They play wrestler. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and now does that mean you should be in there stiffing people out and fucking taking liberties? Fuck no, you shouldn't. But if you can't hold your own in a real fight, then you got no fucking business wrestling, in my opinion. And most you know? of the people now, and I mean, I see it coming into the wrestling school, you know. Um, That's one of my questions. The, and and you, you, you see how few hands go up. When you ask, how, okay, how many of you guys have been in a group. real fight? And then it's and like, no one out of uh, 10 So immediately, none, you know, class uh, class. this is going to be rough. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm, I'm, I am not an athletic dude. You know, I've never been an athletic dude. I, yeah, I've gone up and down in my weight. I've gotten into shape, fallen back out of shape. You know, I know what my limits are, but I'm not, I just don't take any fucking bullshit, you know? And like, myself josh has a martial arts background number one so he's you know was has been well trained in how to handle himself for a long time i've been a bouncer for you know what i mean like you know yeah you know what i mean like 
for 20 years almost now, you know what I mean? Like there's just things that you deal with, you know, like I guess other people's perceptions are one thing, you know, but like when you run a wrestling promotion, you have to command respect. If you ever have a fucking problem with someone, you, you deal with it. We've never been shy about that. You know, if anyone has ever had anything to say, we've been the first dudes to fucking square up and maybe that has something to do with it. But I would like to think that, if if people are saying things like you know this wouldn't have happened uh, you know with these I, guys around completely that, out of respect I, I I would I would hope that it was it would be more out of respect yes. you know because uh, we never tried because you know bullies are fucking assholes too yeah for real you know what I mean and we've that's something we've dealt with you know what I mean like you're gonna be a fucking bully like yeah, all I'll right we'll fucking deal too. with that you know what I mean because like that shit's like you know and I, maybe there's some people that had an, a run-in with one of us or both of us that now would think, man, those guys are fucking bullies because they got their ass beat because they did fucking something stupid, you know? But, like, that's never been, you know what I mean, like, our, our game now. Like, even now, you know, I do security for a living and, you know, you won't see me manhandling people and, you know what I mean? Like, you get a lot more done with respect, you know what right. I mean? With, yeah. you know, but at the same time, you got to be able to fucking back it up, you know, yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. like, and like, and not hesitate, you know, like, and, and, and there's, I think maybe the, that respect with us comes from, the, there's two, two kinds of guys. There's motherfuckers that look like the, they can do it. And there's motherfuckers that'll do it. Period. I and agree with me that. Me and Josh, everybody knows. Do we'll it. fucking do it. You know, like, so you, whatever, big, small, win, lose, you know what I mean? Like whatever, it's going to happen. We're not fucking backing Happening. down, you know, like we're just those kind of guys, you know what I mean? Like just, just how we were raised, you know, we're not the only guys like that for sure. There's a lot of guys no, like that. Anybody can beat anybody. It's but like as Josh is saying, man, it's a fucking dying breed, you know, like yeah. there's a lot of pussies in fucking wrestling, man. It's part of the reason I stepped away, you know. Well, so taking it back to now you guys have formed a tag team, right? But you're the bumping uglies, still no masks. Right. Okay. And, and I've said, I think I've said it to both of you, but I know you and I have talked about my love for the bump and ugly mask. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that thing to get introduced. Okay. The, the evolution of it. Well, I mean, but, we, 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 you know, um, did our tag team thing as the punk yeah. rockers for a good while um, and, and did that for a while. And then kind of as IWR kind of started to wane, I want to say, like we kind of lost our original home venues at the time. And then uh -huh. like it was it was harder to get a regular base for our events. So it was kind of looking like we were about to kind of shut things down. Um, we were approached by some friends who um, came into some money and wanted to invest into bringing some uh lucha guys specifically like santo and la parka mm -hmm. uh, into detroit and so this kind of spawned the whole idea that became revolucha okay and so once once you know they said okay who who a who do we know they said to themselves that can connect with these guys and and b who can get the venue that we can put on you know these events so they they came to us and we we put this together through the help of like some of our friends with masked republic Mm -hmm. uh, Ruben Zamora that um, was definitely pivotal in hooking us up with Conan and kind of getting us together with Santo's wife and all of these people to to get the original Revolucha shows put together. So once we started blockbuster, events. once we started talking about the Revolucha idea, the more and more Bubba and I we started talking about. Well, you know, like hmm, 
it'd be kind of good to we're gonna switch the idea behind IWR and it's it's IWR but now it's IWR slash Revolution it's becoming mm-hmm. this Revolution thing. Well, and, uh, the, and the the other two main guys, Casey Miller and uh, mm-hmm. Nate Davis, behind it, they they were really integral in like the creative vision of what the look was gonna be right. and. Like, uh, you know, they were were bringing in guys from Theater Bazaar, you know, yeah. uh, the designers behind John Donovan yeah. and yeah. some of these guys. And But this some, predates Theater Bazaar, right? No, no, the, no, 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 no. It's, it's going around uh, in its original existence. Okay. Yeah, so this oh, is what, okay. it's yeah. still around at the, at yeah. the old fairgrounds, right? right? And, uh, yeah, like Nate and Casey kind of came in with, you know, their the whole vision of it, and yeah. then we're on this wrestling a- a- angle of it, and it was... You know. It was a lot of damn work. Uh, yeah, especially for you. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we put this thing together, and we kind of started talking about wouldn't it be good if we led as an example, not so much that we were immediately luchadors, so to speak, but that we could also take something behind the culture and, and make you know. So we right. we kind of created something where we were you know at the time we were injured. Uh, I believe we we had got our faces burned. Uh, and then had to show up at the next event, and we had masks. And at the time, we were we very... We were feuding with the Canadian guys, yeah. right? And we were, was, yes, yeah. there was Canadians, and we were <laughs> very... Canadian, like, evil Canadians. <laughs> we were very red, <laughs> white, and blue. Havoc. So the gimmick at that time was like the All-American Beatdown Crew, the BNU, okay. you know, red, white, and blue. We used to come out to the most goofy USA s- songs, like different entrance music yeah. each time. It could be Born in the USA, or it could be like a Philip Sousa march. Or like just the most ridiculous things, and we we you know God bless the USA or whatever, and we're we're coming out to and it. We started fucking getting over, and we were yeah. just getting like over. After all these years, was, that's what fucking yeah. got us over. You, you know? Good old USA chant, wrestling, yeah. you know, pro wrestling formula. Man. Tagging yeah. with hacksaw, Jim Duggan didn't hurt, you know. Sure, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So then all of a sudden we became this USA thing, and you know, and then we were feuding with the Wild Stallions. So then the masks started to get ripped off and they, they took our old masks, you know, the red, white, and blue, kind of blue blazer looking our original. Yeah, masks. they were yeah, just like, like a stretched yeah. mask. Yeah, they were like right? the old throwback like Terrible. 1930s, yeah. you know, like, you know, where it didn't really hide your face too much. Like you could still definitely, you know, like the destroyer uh Midnight Rider. Like yeah. yeah, you know, like where it's just kayfabe enough where yeah. it's it like, just kind of flattens your nose out of yeah, it. It's yeah, it's just yeah, tongue yeah. in cheek, yep. you know, like yeah. Now, when was the were the Revolution shows? The original Revolution show was at the Majestic Theater. The first two. And what year was that? Uh, two. Oh, wow. Um, why you gotta test me like that? I think it was two thousand five. Well, I was gonna ask. October of two thousand five, I believe, was the first my, one. My experience with the Revolution was I was at a ROH show at the fairgrounds, and I was wearing a Doctor Cube hoodie, and somebody came up to me and said, "Cube saves," and handed me a Revolution DVD. Probably, Probably either Casey. Was he Casey skinny? Or, yeah. Then it was Casey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then I went, holy shit, this is local. Right. Yeah. This is here. And so that was my introduction. Yeah, because we, you know. We, we, I have we, that disc, by the way. You gave me that yeah, disc. Yeah, I gave I, you that. I was wondering where it went. We yeah. could book our way, <laughs> you know. Like, you. <laughs> and if you look that up, if you look up the original Revolucha discs, like the first one, and then uh, Dia de los Muertos. So it's called Revolucion and Mascarada, and then Dia de los Muertos. If you look those up and you just, like, look at the Dude. trailers. 
Dude. The amount of artistic vision uh, and production cool. value is to this yeah. day no one ever on the independent scene has ever produced events of that class um, or video production ever. Yeah, still to this day. Wasn't one of them on Netflix for a while? Yeah, like the original one or Netflix yeah. first started coming yeah. around. Yeah, Dia de los Muertos. It was available yeah. in Best Buy and FYE. Yeah. You know, right Casey as the DVD market, market tanked. Yeah. Casey Miller's vision does continue with you know the Squared Circle Review is yep. is an offshoot of that whole you know family. A lot of the same production you know it's a different product altogether but with that same artistic vision that comes from outside wrestling yeah outside the well, that whole theater bizarre crew is like a whole different yeah you know they, they they're, but, they're carnies know, of, i think that's what Carnival, wrestling needs yeah. you know like especially at the time because these guys you know like this independent scene is a very small family and whatever else right but these guys are looking at it from just super mark fans but also these huge like pop culture, you know what I mean? Like yeah. of all, you know what I mean? Like they appreciate all these things and like they're are knowledgeable in the Lucha culture and the, the fucking Lucha movies, the Santo movies and stuff, you know, and how could we do this? And it was like, it really lit a fire, I think under us, you know, creatively too at the time, you know, and the videos came out. We definitely could have never done that on our own. You know, it was, it was something that we kind of wanted to do and it worked out for a little bit, but, uh, it's a, pretty much that, I mean, like our, our wrestling careers had pretty much eclipsed the band at that point and was like starting to become an issue, like yeah. uh -oh. booking shows and everything else. Like we were turning down shows left and right because Rock we shows. were already booked. Right. Yeah, yeah, because we were already booked to wrestle, you know? And we did a lot of fucking... Uh, double shots. We did a lot of double shots, man. <laughs> like where we would wrestle, do a match, and then... You Meet know, the guys at the bar. <laughs> they would load in. Yeah. And we'd meet him there. Yeah. And, I, and then, I, that trans, then transferred into me doing that many times after yeah. once Bubba got out of it. But. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, know, you the guys. Band, the, so the Bumble Nuggets is a band never, like, you know, we had. We'd, uh, had That's how you broke me into the A couple of records now. out. You know, we had a, a slew of seven inches out. Our, our good friend Paul had a local label called uh, Transparent Records. He did a lot of cool records. He put out our first CD. We were able to get on Steel Cage Records, which is a national label out of uh, Philadelphia. And uh, I was Steel Cage Records, you know, mm -hmm. a very big wrestling fan. They supported us a lot, like with our the record So Powerful, So Beautiful. And But at, it, pretty much after that record came out, you know, the, the writing was on the wall that we weren't going to be a touring band, you know, that that, that ship had kind of already sailed. And we were at the time more interested in wrestling you know because it was just more number one more lucrative for us yeah and uh it was just i don't know it was just more more interesting at the time you know and the, the so the band never actually broke up the bill bondsman just simply formed you know like because those dudes were sick sick and tired i think you know this is me interpreting you yeah. know where but i think they were at? just you know, not not. I don't know if they were mad, but probably just tired of number one turning down shows and then not being able to go out and play because that's what they love to fucking do. Yeah, like yeah. Rob and Amato, like you know what I mean. Like this is we're lifers in this shit. You know. So there's also an element I think too to the fact of you know, and we had talked about this before. It's like, where do you go? Um, yeah. At at a certain point, you know, I mean, other than I take it bigger on a larger scale. But when a lot of the uh, same crowds were coming back and it's kind of like it was more about what what wrestling or what stunt yeah. was going to be done as more blood, as, man, you know, more fucking as opposed blood. to like the new songs we were all excited yeah. about trying to like get into 
or, mm-hmm. or put over to, to the audience. And so it was kind of part of that, too. It was kind of like, gee, I don't know where else we can go um, with this, what more we can do with it. Uh, and, you know, people seem to be more about the the spectacle of the it stunt than, show. than the music. Well, the, the, it was still the, very the, the violence too. of it, it was almost like every show, especially lo- the big local shows, we were getting to the point where we were drawing really well. So we had no problem getting shows at like, the Magic Stick, Majestic Theater, St. Andrews Hall, you know what I mean? We were regularly drawing like 400, 500 people to shows. So we're making these clubs money, you know? But their fucking clubs are getting destroyed, you know, yeah. because like every time it's like, all right, we set two tables on fire. We did, you know, like, what do we do with this one? You know right. what I mean? I mean, it we were like banned, banned from the Fillmore, or it was the State Theater at the yeah. time. Yeah. But. Yeah, you know, like it was like you know, like the violence aspect of it was almost like spiral, like you know, like spiraling out of control to the point like. But it was still a very minimalist part of the show. The time and duration that we wrestled was very quick, but it was very loud. Yeah, well, it made a big impact, and so anyway, so that's kind of it was like we weren't available, and then that was kind of going on. Yeah, we definitely painted ourselves into a corner with the stage show. Like at some point, it was like, what do we do next? Kill somebody. You know what I mean? Like, should I, should, should right, I hang him out of the balcony? Cut off an arm, or you know what I mean? Like, like you know, we <laughs> yeah. There's there's so Inferno many jumped off of buildings. I mean, we yeah. set things on fucking fire. I mean, man, go out in the parking lot and break somebody's car. Yeah, we like we you took know, shows like from the inside the club out to the fucking street. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you name it, man. Like we we did. Yeah, as much we drove all the way to Chicago. I drove, I drove all the way to Chicago to get pile drive down the streets and drive all the way home. Right. You know what I mean? Like that was one of my favorite shows. Now that's a like, that's a gamer. Through yeah. title, through title in belts t- was in the garbage. In tax too, or something. Or I, 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 yeah. no, I can't remember half of that. Yeah, yeah. I believe it was. Yeah, I just remember being the street, be, having to be awake. Yeah, right out the street. They were filming Batman at the time too, because everything was all closed off. Yeah, and we we're pile driving each other in the street, throwing. I, I know at, near the end we did do a couple right shows where we were just like, "Fuck it, man, let's just go back to playing." Like, yeah, we didn't even do any. Oh, and in yeah. fact, like I mean, right. the. the most of the time is when we have these reunions, like which is annually usually now, yeah. maybe once a year. Um, most of the time we don't even do anything, you know. And if we if we do something, but you never know, you know. It, it, we might have someone show up, and we might, you know, have a little interaction, and and that honestly tends to be just more than enough. And even in the case of this last reunion, like it wasn't even necessary at all. Like just us being there in our personas, right? And and having yeah, that, I mean that like, show that, that, that it was, was great. Like, like, there was not anyone that was like, "Oh, you're <laughs> oh, gonna beat up." It was nothing like that, yeah. you know. So, but anyway, so going back to kind of the evolution of the bump and ugly look, your masks were ripped, yeah. And so then you had to come out. Did you then come up with the star mask? I think you had silver ones. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was USA. Yeah, yeah. Josh Raymond yeah. Uh, made some excellent uh, starfish yeah. masks for us. Yeah. Yes, and they did kind of. Those yeah, were yeah. those were pretty flappy and floppy, uh-huh. so we we, yeah, had, we those. had those up until that cage match with the stallions yeah. at St. Andrews Hall. And then once we had those ripped into, then we transitioned into some uh, some some more real our true like most professional gear when we started to go through Mass Republic, um, and the, and got some you know was that the blue ones yeah at the, that point the legitimate okay, that, you know yeah. blue stars and you know I had the silver and uh, Bubba had the blue star yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and so and then we got into that and then once we you know um kind of got to know some of these guys and like all of a sudden some gear ideas start to happen and the parka actually gifted us um a couple different masks that he uh at one point um 
his gear guy, he had his, his guy make us prototype masks and presented it to to me. Oh, uh, his gifts. Oh, that's really cool. After a couple of different shows, they're we, awesome. You know, we, yeah. that's, that's what a great guy, man. Yeah. yeah, L.A. Park, man. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean that's a, that's an example of a lot of people were telling us not so to use him. Uh, you know, don't use this guy. He's trouble, and it couldn't have been anything that, further from my, the truth. One of my yeah. favorite people um, in all of wrestling. Those yeah. guys gave it all. So, and dude, Man. and like it was the, the work ethic. You know what I mean? Uh, between a guy like you know uh, L.A. Park or a lot of these Lucha guys, like that was also very inspiring to us because. These guys are fucking, they work, man. Like, there is no, like, you know, working that style. And some of these dudes, you know, we, and we do these Revolution shows, you know, we're bringing in, like, Santo and L.A. Park, but uh, Conan, you know what I mean? Like, some guys that have been around, like, that are fucking in there. Um, I want to say Super Park, I just because. We got Super well, we Park, Ray Mysterio uh, Sr. That dude was nuts. Uh, Blue Panther. Blue Panther. Blue, that's, oh. that's, Blue Panther wrestled CK3. No mask, you yes. Know, and. Dude, like this guy, Dr. you know, Wagner Blue Panther Jr. at the time was fifty, and Ray Mysterio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like outworking, like the, you know what I mean? Like the the work ethic. So that was also very very inspiring. It was like, man, there's there's so much more you can do with this this wrestling thing, you know? Yeah, and so kind of like you know the the dark the black gear then started mm -hmm. to arrive, you know, and then it's like from there we were just kind of took little cues from. Uh, we decided that it looked a lot cooler if we were dark under the mask as well. And so then that started, Black yeah, that, you know, yeah, that was that something started, that we yeah. definitely, you know, you take inspiration from like La Parca straight, yeah, straight sure, up man. and we just he ripped it off, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> which, you know, a lot of people have, but um, it's just, it's a, it's a cool way to make yourself more into the character. It's, it's yes. alluded to like the Batman thing, you know, the eyes just pop, um, which is funny because, you know, when Batman takes his mask off, it's magically, there's no paint or, yeah, yeah. or, yeah, or yeah. makeup <laughs> right there. Um, but yeah, so it kind of evolved into that black stuff, which really ended up being our our trademark forever, until I basically, you know, changed it later. I mm -hmm. went even as singles as that for a while. Right. So okay, getting more now as we start moving towards her dark host. I think you you left the ring about twenty twelve. It was right when I was coming in because I was really bummed out because I wanted to ref a, a B and U match and then. That's a look when, when that last match was like 2011. I, well, probably, it was it was yeah. right. Yeah, it was 2011. Probably no or better so. than I do this. Yeah, just because I remember like, oh my god, I'm almost. Yeah, I, just, I wanted to ref a B and U match, uh -huh. and then not, I don't want to say luckily, but creep blew his hip out, and yeah, we, <laughs> we, we had the benefit show it for, for you, babe. For glad creep, I could pull out, yeah. and you guys got oh, back I together. Came, I came back. Yeah, you show. came back together. I wasn't completely out of shape yet. Yeah, and I and. Uh, <laughs> Doubt it, dude. And then, uh, yeah. So I got no, to, you I got were doing to ref MMA that. at the time. Yeah, I dude. remember watching you work, and I was laughing my ass off. Yeah, you, every you time were, you got pinned, you snatched him up. You were and you never let go. Oh, I was I actually it. in pretty good shape. At I, this I, show, I was. Yeah, yeah you were twisting up uh, uh, Ben I Boom. Believe it. Oh, I remember that? Right, yeah, yep. yeah. You'd go for a pin, and you just snatch his arm and roll right over. Yeah, he had no. You had all the defense in the world. It was great. Totally great. But so, so you left, and now Mavado's going on a singles run and we'll get to the singles run but from that her dark host came out of somewhere um i guess let's i'm trying to think so if that's 2012 her dark host was 2015 well 2013 is really when it, the ideas okay and the first like riffs and stuff started kind of happening oh okay it was uh uh a weird time for me, you know. I had some weird personal stuff going on. 
I had stepped away from wrestling, which is something I thought I wanted to do, but was struggling with. It was you a, know? a big decision. And it also, you know, I mean, Josh and I had been a tag team for a, a long time, and our bookings were solidified on the fact that we were this recognizable, marketable tag team. And, you know, and, like, me stepping away totally fucked that up for him, you know, and, like, that was something that I know he had to deal with, and I, I struggled with. Just like, you know, because that wasn't my intention was to, to fuck him over. But I felt like I was at the point where I was really fucking fed up with the wrestling business and didn't want to do it anymore, you know. So I didn't want to drag him down because I, I was a fucking negative ball of shit and I was starting to get stiff with the young guys and, you know, you know what I mean? Like just like, you know, lippy with the fucking promoters and I'm not going to do that and I don't fucking want to do this. And I had uh, started training uh, some Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm not. A, I'm not a, a like I said, like a lifetime athlete or anything, but definitely a, a lifetime fan of the fight game and wrestling and stuff. And our dad used to take us to like a fight night that at the palace that used to be an old thing, you know. Like I remember seeing Michael Moore fight one of his early fights. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and I remember the when the original UFCs first came out, you know, like that. Those are you know they used to be in the porno section at the uh, yep. video store yeah. and stuff, you know. <laughs> Like uh, you know the one the video you know video zone would still like rent them to me and stuff if I asked them I would say can you give me the UFC tape and the guy would go in the porn he wouldn't let me in the porno room to get it you know but <laughs> but he would go get it so I, I you know I wasn't doing anything musically you know I went from a time where I was like I think I walked away from wrestling and a lot of other things because I was spreading myself entirely too thin I had a lot of shit going I was like in five fucking bands I was you know working at night in bars i had a day job i got divorced you know like there was a you know just a weird time for me you know i started drinking a lot and shit like that which kind of was outside of my pattern and uh, um i was like literally just at the point where i was doing nothing so i really you know was falling into Fight, fight culture, fight training, you know, everything else. And I was able to uh, land uh, an apprenticeship with a guy, uh, Vance Swerden, you know, who uh, apprenticed me in how to become a, a referee for MMA. Yeah, you know? I was going to bring uh, that up, yeah. And I uh, began training jiu-jitsu with Big Don Richard, mm-hmm. and, uh, which really turned my life around <laughs> in a lot of aspects because it's the first real, like, athletic endeavor because I never even approached wrestling as athletically as I could have, and as 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 I would now, if I, if I were ever to come back, I would definitely want to make sure I'm like I could keep up with Josh, for instance. You know what I mean? Like you know, it's athletically, in the ring, know, man. Because even at my peak of being in shape and everything else, I'm I'm a fucking punch kick. You know what I mean? Like my my moves are a leg drop, you know, a big fucking <laughs> line, a chin cracker, you know, like a whoopee a cushion. Head- a headbutt, I can, yeah. And I, for some reason, I know all the Doink the Clown stuff. That's that's neither here nor there, but I do know, I do know the Doink the Clown finishers. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, it just, you know, so I began doing these fights, but, you know, I, I was like, fuck, man, I'm not doing anything musically. And I was really struggling with it. I was in a state of depression, you know, and, and it, but I, simultaneously, to de- to help me deal with some of that depression, I'd be ge- kind of reemerging myself into things like the dark arts and the occult and mysticism and uh, things like tarot and just other things to kind of occupy my mind and to help me find direction and to help find you know to to tune myself up you know and I uh, I 
I started, you know, reinvesting in some bands I used to listen to as a kid, you know, that and they kind of would, you know, mix some of these themes and stuff. And Danzig, uh, to Josh and I growing up was a huge major fucking deal for us, man. The Misfits were the, the you know, the punk band that everyone wanted to, you know, like trade bootleg tapes about. Mm-hmm. Sam Hain was the fucking coolest goth band, you know what I mean? Like as kids, you know, and the first Danzig album was transformative, you know what I mean? Like I, I to this day remember getting that shit on vinyl and hearing that going, holy fuck. This kicked man. you right like, in the gut. Like this is the coolest fucking record I've ever heard. And to this day, first Danzig record, fucking solid front to back, you know what I mean? And, uh, and Danzig is a guy that, you know, you can say what you want about him, and I'm not here to talk about, you know, you know, other than he's a huge, you know, the, the music that he's done over the years has been a huge influence on us. Uh, and lyrically, you know, the dude explored a lot of themes that are now kind of trendy in things like heavy metal music, you know, the, in terms of Satanism, mm-hmm. occultist views, uh, uh, magic, both black and white magic, you know, left-hand path theory and stuff like that. You know, back 20 years ago, he was singing really in-depth stuff about this stuff. And, you know, now it's, like, real trendy with, you know, like, 20, 20-year-old kids from Sweden and stuff, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I started immersing I myself get there at and, some point. <laughs> and kind of uh, looking into some of these bands that were using things like magic and ritual to combine with their art of music to create more of a more than just music, you know what I mean? And I started thinking like, it's a really interesting concept, you know what I mean? Like I've never really approached, I've been a musician my whole life and I've never really approached it like from that artistic of a standpoint. It's always been more about entertainment, you know, like mm. the art of it was fell by the wayside. It was more about, you know, like popping the crowd, right? You know, wrestling is popping the crowd, bumping all these pop the crowd, you know what I mean? Like, so it was like, number one, I want to do something f- for me, you know, that artistically is rewarding, you know. Two, that I can ex- explore interweaving some of these things that I've been working with, you know, in my own, in my own personal time within the confines of a musical rock and roll song, right? To see, is it possible, you know, to combine th- these, these things and... And, and manipulate people's energies and, pe- you know, emotion and things like that in a true way, you know, like the best fucking songs, you know, that stick with you, you know, like the ones that are, you know what I mean? Like make you feel something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like no matter what some, the yeah, genre, you right? You know what I mean? Like, and, it's, it's uh, an emotional response. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's catchy songs, you know what I mean? Like there's fucking hooky songs or whatever else, but the ones that are, you know what I mean? Grip that you. stick with you, you know what I mean? They speak to you in some way, you know, and, you know, part of what I, I love about the occult, you know, is it, the double entendre, the, you know, the look the other way, the sleight of hand, you know, that's involved. And, you know, there's a reason that this stuff isn't common knowledge, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm by no means some master mage or some, you know, I don't follow any one particular system or current or anything. But it was really like there's there's some other bands doing this you know, and I really admire what they're doing and I would, I would really like to see how far I could take it, you know? And then it was kind of like, so lyrically I had a base then, you know what I mean? I had some, something to work with that, you know, I could, you know, incorporate things I was doing with magic as far as the lyrical concept of what was the band's, what was going to be about. But then it was kind of like, what do I do with the sound, you know? And 
being a huge fan of bands like uh, Orchid, you know, and Chevy, and there's these bands that like basically are Black Sabbath cover bands, but they mm-hmm. write their own material, you know. And there's there's literally a hundred bands that sound exactly like Black Sabbath, you know. They got a dude that sounds like Ozzy, you know, and like they won't like Orchid is a great example. They're probably the best one in my opinion from San Francisco. Fucking rad, man. You know, these dudes like sound like Sabbath. Like if Sabbath kept writing records like at 1974 and just stayed at that with that mentality and that that sound, you know, like it just kept writing song. That's what Orchid is, you know, and they're very like they'll tell you that they're not trying to be like, oh, no, we, you know, like they're they're very upfront, you know what I mean? And I was like, I said to myself, like, what could I do that, you know, but the Black Sabbath thing is kind of played out like what what is music missing right now? Like, you know what I mean? And I was like, Danzig, you know, the cult. Right, you know what I mean, like uh, Cooper, like the, mm-hmm. the the old Cooper band, you know, like the old ACDC material, you know, first couple Zeppelin records, you know, like driving blues, fucking bass, you know what I mean, but with that that evil, you know, I always mm-hmm. like you know the dissonant Dark minor, you know, like the dissonant notes and the the weird minor steps and like the weird tritones and stuff that like John Christ was a master of, you know. So I very consciously used those bands as a starting point, you know, to give as a confine for what I was going to do with the songs. And then Josh, you know, being a student of those of that very same material was there along, you know, um, I was recording acoustic demos and stuff to start to help me flesh out you know, like, okay, this could work as a song and this and that, and then it was like, fuck, this could actually be a band like Neither one of us were actually doing anything at the time musically. All the other okay. bands that we had been associated with, the Casket Bastards and everyone else was dormant, you know, and it was like, let's fucking do this, you know. And so you were writing stuff and and just guitar only, just acoustic yeah. brought in uh, Josh to yeah. get the drum beats to... Oh, no, to no, just... he actually helped me with, with, with melodies and, you okay. know, like, uh, Josh, Josh, he, don't let him fool you, he's a great guitar player as well, great okay. chord. No, he picked up. I've great chordsman, a yeah. great harmony singer, and a great player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great musician all around. So, nice. and you know, just you know, it was like, yeah. this is a guy that he, you know, I can bounce this stuff off of him, and you know what I mean. Like he knows where I'm going with it and whatever mm-hmm. else. And but I kind of wanted it to distinctly be like my thing, you know what I mean. Yeah. But uh, the 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 other guys in the band came about. You know, uh, my friend Nathan Miller, our bass player, I've known 20 years or so from doing like stagehand work and everything else, and. That dude's been in some of the fucking coolest bands in Detroit. You know, Empathy, Thoughts of Ionesco. He's currently in War Horses. Like, Ionesco's back again. You know, like, this dude is, like, an incredible musician. And, you know, I was talking to him at, at a job. We were loading in some bands. And, yeah, I'm kind of working with this fucking idea. And, you know, and this is what I want to do with it. And, you know, and he was, like, instantly, like, dude, I would love to be a part of a project like that. Like, let me know, like... You know, if, if that ever comes to fruition, I would I would love to, to play on something like that. That sounds fucking really interesting and duly noted, you know. And uh, Kyle, you know, Kyle Davis, you know, like kind of came about, you know, I, you know, working at Small's Bar and seeing a lot of these young shows. You know, I started seeing Against the Grain playing a lot, and then Kyle's other band, Raw Dogs. And it was just <laughs> like, man, this Great this man. fucking kid, man, he's like in his early twenties, but he like he's made for rock and roll. You know what I mean? Like everything about this kid's fucking rock and roll, you know, like 
and just got to know him and same thing. Like just kind of express like, yeah, it's, you know, I kind of like to do this. And he didn't really, some of these young guys, didn't, they don't really know about the bumping uglies. You know, they, they, they weren't, they were fucking babies when we were, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I think we, we had a hit single or anything to remember us by, you know, so if you weren't there, you don't really fucking know, you know, and just started kind of jamming with Kyle and, and Josh and kind of just hanging out, you know, this and that. And it was like, we should call Nathan, man, and see if we can, you know, like kind of wrote a couple songs, you know, and started sending them back and forth on the iPhone and uh, sound like an old man on the iPhone. On the iPhone, <laughs> yeah. And uh, actually received a lot of uh, input from, from my lady. Uh, Tracy was very, you know, I would always send her the songs and, you know, what do you think? And, you know, because she's not going to bullshit me. Josh isn't going to bullshit me. And uh, my friend yeah. Alex on Alexander on from Temple of Void and uh, Hellmouth and so many great bands. You know, he he was a guy that you know he's kind of the I'm gonna shout him out here, man. I don't know if he even wants credit, but every time I'd copy these guys on a new riff, he also got a copy of it. You know, and he was giving me feedback the whole time. You know, positive and negative. You know, what he thought what I was doing and a lot of encouragement. And he's really helped us out a lot as far as opening people's eyes up and they're very supportive man they wear our shirts and their you know their photos and stuff and uh and it just kind of happened and it was like well i know we can play at small's bar you know like, i know we can fucking <laughs> play in. there he you knows know? the like, guy yeah <laughs> and you know it was literally like the first show we we had enough songs to play a set like that was it you know like we had three originals and we'd learned to cover you know and and, you know, I had this vision of what I wanted the stage show to be. I wanted it to combine the aspects of, like, the early Cooper shows and uh, Arthur Brown and, you know, Floyd and all these great, you know, theatric acts with some of the really gnarlier fucking, like, black magic, satanic right. stage shows of, like, black metal and, uh, you know, like, goth and industrial and, you know, I just, it, it's an amalgam of all these things, which I've listened to and been a fan of my whole life, you know, and... uh People, you know, there isn't anyone, you know, it does. It's an amalgam of all those things. But the stage show, I decided I really wanted it to serve as like that's like the finishing. Like the songs are part of this occult process, but the show is the fucking finale. You know, the show mm -hmm. is where it culminates, and where you can, you know, where it's palpable. You know, oh, so that's why the, yeah. that's why there's totems and altars and why there's you know there's incense and why there you know like we. The, the goal of the Hurt Our Coast show is to manipulate the energy of the room 100%. That's, that's all it is about. Like, it's not, you know, it's not about like, hail Satan, you know, or it's not, you know. Thank you very much, like, Detroit. Yeah, yeah, you, right, right. yeah, you don't hear yeah, that witty, yeah, right. bumping no. ugly banter that you know we're, yeah, we're so like, known for. Because again, it's it's the end preparation. You know, it's I appro I approach every show completely ritualistically in the preparation of it because I want to focus all of my personal energy that I can into changing that, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and you know, and, you know, sometimes, you know, like, uh, you Authenticity. Know, my, my friends below, you know, like the, what, what they can do to the energy of, your, of a room is it can be palpable. You know, the, the oh, first I'm... show was alone. You know, we had a lot of good, good and bad, you know, feedback where people were like, holy shit. Like, I've never man. fucking seen anything like that before, ever. Or no. felt. We, we yeah. got a lot of that. Yeah. Like, I never felt. Because so. I think they, a lot of people see the stage show, and they, 
they think, oh, this is going to be black metal, you know? It's right. going to be like, or they think, right. Yeah, you know, and it's triggers. I saw it listed as doom metal or something. Yeah, that you know, we we've been it called a lot of things. I won't that. deny any of them, man. You know, if someone's called us black metal, you know call us I mean? what like, you will, right? And I, I guess by the ideologically, we are black metal. You know what I mean? Like it's it's satanically, lyrically, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cult minded, and the, the show is ritually produced. You know, so there's black metal. You know, like, well, unfortunately, whatever. I, I don't like to stick to it any tags. You know I mean? Right. Like, if you ask but, me, it's a rock and roll band, but you know, it's we're a that's, black. That's ma- it's a black magic rock and roll band. That's what we are. Every one of your shows at Smalls or, or wherever you're amped, I haven't been able to see. You know, I was going to say, unfortunately, because of wrestling. Probably had a show. Yeah. I always had a show those nights. And I think Movado would come rolling in either just before and go out or come in after the show. But we were able to see the acoustic show that you did at, was that Ink Detroit in Ferndale? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Ink Addict. Yeah. And yeah. Ink Addict, is that the yeah. name of it? And that, you know, I've known you guys for a while and, saw you there and just knew that okay just i'm just gonna give you a nod what's up i'm here i'm gonna sit down uh-huh. and just yeah the, the 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 room was thick yeah <laughs> i'd explain it yeah but the it obviously I've, I've only seen the acoustic i've heard you know i've heard your recorded stuff do you view it one way or the other do you prefer it acoustic over amped just that's an interesting plays. question the acoustic thing just kind of happened but I really fucking dig it. Yeah, you. I really dig it. Yeah, um, it sounded great. Oh, it was Thank amazing. You. Thank you. And yeah, I just you know, you guys, you it, again, it was you call it a ceremony. You guys yeah. walked out, formed, or you know, yeah, we don't of, like, and it, then you know, there isn't like all the the rotting carcasses and like everything else. Well, yeah, there scene. wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then like you the full, but it, yeah, but the the intent is still there. You mm-hmm. know, that's the whole thing is the int- that that intent of, you know, like really connecting with whoever's there you know experiencing artistically musically and emotionally see like in my opinion all true art comes from the unknown you know what i mean Mm -hmm. there's an intangible all true art is magic if it's true you know if it comes from within uh and that can manifest itself in so many different you know ways and everyone has their own interpretation you know but with heard our host specifically that is 100%. It is a, a artistic and esoteric pursuit. It's almost like an experiment to see, you know, can this happen? And so far at every show we've, it has, you know, we've, I've, we've had the effect that we've wanted, you know, and gotten good feedback. We it, intentionally don't play very often. Right. Because uh, we're not the band that you can come see next Friday, you know, like, or, every Tuesday at fucking Gator Jake's or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, uh, if we do a show beca- because of the, the ritualistic ceremonial aspect of it, that's like a heavy thing for me, you know? It's like the, the process and the preparation, you know, we're 30 days out on the next one and I'm already building totems and everything, you know what I mean? Like, the, it's, it's like, you know, because again, like this energy, energy manipulation game, you know, I, I'm no expert at it, you know what I mean? But I, I know what I've had to do so far, and I know that you get out what you put in, you know what I mean? Like, or you get back what you put out, more, more realistically putting it, you know, so. Well, let's now, go. You got something to say? I have a question for you about that acoustic show. Now, was it one of your ideas to have everyone sit on the ground, or was it the venue's idea? The seating was not my 
idea. Okay. However, I was very strict about the no talking, yeah. the no phones, yeah. and something else. No yeah, no flashes. Yeah. Now, and uh, I, I got some like some smart ass comments online and shit about that. You know, people are like, you can't fucking take, you know, and it's like, it's not because I don't want you to take pictures of me. I love fucking seeing cool pictures of us. You know what I mean? But, uh, you have to be immersed in this. You know what I mean? Like you can't have your fucking toe in the water and, and feel what, what we're putting out. Like you have to be someone else. Yeah. And I've, in the industry where I work to make money doing concerts and everything else. And, you know, you know, I've entirely too many, I've been into entirely too many fucking shows that are like acoustic in nature. You know, we, I went and saw Mark Lanigan recently, one of my fucking heroes, you know, from the screaming trees and Hmm. one of the greatest voices and songwriters in music bar none. I don't give a fight me. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) We're cool. No, I agree, man. And, uh, he played at the Magic Bag, and it was a, a stripped-down acoustic—not acoustic show, but just him and this uh, guy named Jeff Fielder on guitar. Fantastic, just playing these really stripped-down. And I literally almost assaulted three fucking people because they like were like, oh, it was like they were trying trying to talk above the music. Oh, oh God, I hate that. You know, and here I am trying to immerse myself. You know, with you know, you know, Tracy and I trying to immerse Warmth, ourselves in this yeah. experience with this guy we both fucking mm. have such reverence for you know what i mean like this you know and i couldn't even enjoy it i was like getting violent and you know what i mean and we've we've had show we did the uh king buzzo did his acoustic show and it's like people are more worried about fucking yapping and talking and looking at their fucking phones mm. and it's like it's so fucking rude to me you know what i mean about 30 years ago work. that wouldn't have happened like right. the, you know and i get it like i i'm a little get off my lawn right now and whatever else but uh, I'll, I'll help you put up the sit right next but when to it you, comes dude. to these, right, if, if, if we're gonna play these acoustic shows, my whole thing is like the the goal of the band it doesn't change. You know what I mean? Like that's not diminished. Like the stage show isn't gonna be there and everything else. You know, but we've arranged these songs in a certain way and we perform them in a way like you know what I mean? Like it's the same intent. You know, and you can't get that. You know, and that show I was actually very pleased and I actually felt very honored that. Everyone stuck to it. Like nobody fucking, you know what I mean? Like oh, everyone yeah. was cool yeah. about it. Like, you know, like, cause I felt like I know I'm being kind of an asshole to ask people, of, you know, like shut the fuck up and like whatever, like keep your fucking phones in your pocket. But they totally did. And I think that's what helped make, you know. I, I the, think as soon as you start playing the first tune, everyone in that room is like, whoa. And, and there's, you know, set the phone down. There's no, there's, and as you say, they shouldn't be but I, you draw them right in. Yeah, yeah and, and that's why I brought it up is because it, it worked. Yeah. yeah. Sitting on the floor, mm-hmm. being right on the ground, complete silence. I mean, there was no applause when you walked in. It was just yeah. walked in, and as soon as you hit that first dissident chord, you're just like, this is happening. Mm-hmm. And it worked. And that's why I, it's, it's an interesting thing to see that this is something that can work both acoustically and electric. Yeah, and I, I, I'm really interested uh, in pursuing more acoustic shows for sure. Yeah, I'm more than excited to get back and play this full state, you know, at full volume. Sure. Because it's been, you know, so it's been long. far too long. Time to the time acoustic to kick thing. Some more. To me, to me, the acoustic thing works 
uh, in conjunction with the venue, you know. Oh yeah. Sadie uh, from Hip in Detroit was able to line that that gig up for us, and uh, that venue worked out. Everyone understood what we were doing. You know, it was like wasn't it a Monday night or some shit. Yeah, it was, it was during the week. Weird, that was you know? her being able to see it because and, of that. Uh, you know, I I definitely want to do more acoustic things, but they have to be right. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't just. Do, no, you, you don't force I mean? it. Like, into yeah, it, yeah, like, but if uh, you come over to Pub Froggy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but you can catch us at the Chili's on 12 and But yeah, so, you know, yeah. you know, I, I pretty much lined up Kyle. You know, we played our first show. Uh, I, I, I was like, fuck, man. You know, there's going to come a time where Kyle's going to be on tour because he's tours 300 days a year or something like that with mm-hmm. Against the Grain, you know, which is his first band. And you know what I mean? I love those fucking guys. All those guys are my little brothers. You know, I consider them in the, the fucking coolest band out of Detroit right now working their ass off and i didn't want it to create a fucking tension point with them at all like like i'm dudes like i'm not trying to steal your guy you know what I mean? like i just really fucking like your guy you know what i mean and he's just he's, really good and, and i want him and if he's home and he's available you know what i mean i would like to have him play you know but like i you know and uh austin is uh in the raw dogs with kyle you know and i've seen him play and what a fucking great musician he is he's a young buck he's the youngest one out of all of us he's barely 22 and, uh, I, and, you know, I just jamming with those guys and seeing the level of musicianship that they both have. It was like, you know, we got three old dudes and, you know, two babies in the band right now. And, it, like, everyone fell in line with exactly what, what the vision was. I don't ask that anyone, you know, practices or do, does what I do, just that they will accept what I ask them to do mm-hmm. at the show. You know what I mean? Like, like no fucking smiling. Like, yeah, you know, shit like that, you know, like, and yes, you have to wear black, you know, yeah. no, you can't wear fucking shorts, you know what I mean? Like, there's certain things. Luckily, that, you know, I can still go sleeveless. <laughs> you have to. So we're good. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Real quick, you mentioned this is rewinding big time. So I was doing a little research, and there's a video of, and this is back to the BNU days, of uh, walking the plank. And you've got a neck brace on while you're playing drums. <laughs> right. What was the deal there? Well, you see, I had been pile-driven. Okay. So my neck had been severely damaged. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so, you know, but a true fighting champion doesn't That's the show just, before, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, the show's so, got to go on. Yeah, thankfully, it did not hamper your drumming abilities. Right. So That's good. I, I, it I was, was surprised tough. at the support he had all night long from the moment we walked into that building. Yeah. Everyone came to his rescue to yeah. help him down the stairs. That's beautiful. Yeah. It was... So that well, was... That's when we had... Uh, Matt Galloway uh, was a uh, was orderly. He was my nurse, my orderly. Yeah, like oh, literally, literally. My disorderly. Like he made these motherfuckers carry him down the, the shelter stairs <laughs> in a wheelchair. Awesome. Oh, awesome. <laughs> no, like like all night long, he was he needed help. Yeah. yeah. Like he was seriously, like, this yeah. was. Well, I'm glad you're healed. He, he thank forced you. himself thank you. to do Yoga. This. The yes. Oh, absolutely. All yeah. thanks well, to we're gonna get that in just a second. Of Mavado drove a, a right. broken neck and he performed the show. That was, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Heard Our Coast, you know, we've, we've done a handful of shows. We, we, we've been in the recording process now for about three years. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's my fault that the stuff isn't out because I'm just uh, like approaching it really like. It's ready when it's ready, and it's mm-hmm. done when it's done, and you know, slow and steady. Like I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, brisket. I'm not in a rush to get a record deal. I'm not in a rush to make a, any money off the. I don't give a fuck, you know. Like I'm doing it literally for myself, you know, and whoever else appreciates it is 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 great. And you know, 
the part of the the vision was also to work with great artists and great people because I feel that that adds to the the magical energy of the project, you know. So guys that like Brian Griffin who recorded it is been a long time bumping Ugly's fan, you know. This dude, you know, this guy believed in us, you know, like knew knew what we were going for. That adds, you know, like his input adds to the the power, you know. And the art is done by a guy named Brian Sheehan from Ledger Domain who is fucking fantastic who is finally you know this we finally have a record coming out and uh that that's all you know working with different artists and everything else is part of the the end vision of her dark host is you know like the combining all all this stuff into one you know rock band well let's, let's talk about that you've got the uh, record release ceremony coming up it's uh, june 30th friday smalls who's uh, you've got other bands on that that card that's a really fucking good lineup, yeah. man. Um, the Highborn is Chuck Burns' latest, latest project. Chuck Burns, if you don't know, is the fucking king of Detroit. We're talking yeah. Seduce, Speedball, you know, Scheming No Goods, Negative Approach. You know, Chuck, Chuck is legit, man. And Chuck, you know, Seduce at one point was fucking the biggest band in this town regardless, you know. and uh, the Highborn is his newest project, along with Dan Gillies from Chapstick and uh, The Meat Men, and uh, a longtime friend of ours, Jason Pierce on drum, who's on drums, who I've been in a bunch of bands with from the Feisty Cadavers. I was not Fingers. But, uh, you know, so that, that's like an all star lineup, you know. Uh, Snakewing, one of the, the current, I mean, they, you know, again, these guys have been around for, for a little bit, but. Uh, Chris Golan and the guys in Snakewing, Nick and them guys, um, they have a new singer now. Um, fucking spastic, energetic, fucking raw energy and power every time I've ever seen them, you know? And I knew that that would add so much to our show, you know what I mean? Like the, the fucking frenzy that they will bring in their set, I knew would contribute to what's going to be swirling around in that room, you know? And the Lucid Furs are hands down my favorite new band in Detroit. You know, they, they are a fucking killer. Uh, Karen, their singers, tremendous. Great bunch of musicians. Like, everybody in that fucking band. These are young kids, man, and they fucking play like they've been around forever, you know? I think the guitar player is barely 19 years old, and he fucking embarrasses me so fucking good, you know? Mm. like, And they're they just, I mean, hooks and riffs and grooves and... A lot of our shows so far, I've been with a lot of metal bands, uh, like black metal bands, power metal bands, whatever, you know, and I, I don't, we're not going to pigeonhole ourselves into only doing one thing, and so I, I kind of intentionally made this more of a rock and roll type show, you mm -hmm. know, and Snake Wing on theirs, I mean, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't even pigeonhole them into a genre either, but other than chaos, you know, and chaos is really a big part of what Hurt Our Coast is about, you know, so... It's it's going to be a really good lineup. Some of the literally the top bands in the city uh, at the at hands down the best sound lights stage in the in the city at Smalls Bar. Right, best drinks, goes. Yeah. best staff, and all uh, around best experience. Our label hold fast. A new endeavor for uh, my man Rob St. Mary, who has been a fucking supporter of us since the Bumpin' Uglies days. Uh, super another just creative guy. Just. I can't thank him enough his support on this project. He started a record label, you know, and it's we're I think his third or fourth record. He put out a record by uh, David J. 
from Bauhaus and uh, Loving Rockets. There mm-hmm. was the Theater Bazaar Orchestra. Oh yeah, that yeah. MC Nightshade. That's that's what who was the first record that Rob put out on his label, and he did a recently did uh, Seven Inch by Duende, and then said, "Hey man, I'd be inter- inter- interested in doing so." so finally, it was like, "All right, let's." put something out then you know we've had a single out digitally for a couple right. years and you know, we just kind of came together and got this stuff done and you know rob's uh steps really stepped it up and made sure because i'm useless when it comes to handling things like you know like i definitely need my i need help with things like business and manufacturing and you know when it comes to music you know like so rob has been there 100 percent. so it's going to be a cool show, you know, uh, with the cover, you get a copy of the record. I was going to bring that up. There's only 300 of the, of the records available. You get a physical vinyl copy? It's a 7-inch record. Yeah. It's on it's a, heavy a piece of vinyl. fucking vinyl. Nice. High, very high quality. Yeah. Uh, the printing is very high quality. The art, again, done by Brian from Leisure Domain. Uh, it's one of those things you can look at it in different lights, see different things, you know. Um, uh, it's gonna have a, a hand silk screen insert that will actually have my blood in the ink uh, on the the limited edition copies. So again, the first pressing, there's only 300 of them. They're hand numbered. Uh, it's a very special deal for me, man. It's a uh, we 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 have a few uh, additional copies that we made available only for promos, you know, and that that's all it's gonna be. It's vinyl only. It will be available digitally, but not until the the vinyl's Let that gone. Play out, you know? yeah. and, According to Rob uh, over at Holdfast, he's saying that they're the best. It's doing the best pre-order-wise out of all of his records. So I, I want to thank everyone who has pre-ordered it. You know, uh, you can order it. It's uh, hfvinyl.com. You know, Bring that up, yeah. but uh, if you come to the show Friday, June 30th at Smalls, you will get a copy of the record with your admission. What time's that all going down? Uh, doors are at eight o'clock. Okay. First band will be on at nine o'clock. Cool. And then just real quick, you have the other track uh, onto the dark. That's on your Bandcamp. Her dark. Yeah, that's that's kind of our first release yep. single. Um, it's never been pressed uh, in a hard format yet. Uh, it will be on a full on a full length, which we are working on a uh, different recording of it, of course. But uh, you can get that at uh, herdarkhost.bandcamp.com. You can stream it for free if you want. Uh, if you want to, if you want to throw a dollar or whatever in the PayPal, that's cool too. But uh, I'm much more interested in people hearing it. So, yeah. uh, you know, there's some live videos of Her Dark Host on YouTube. And I'm much more in- interested in, pe- in people it's who, seeing who I can affect and who might find some solace in, in either the music, the message, or both, like I have in so many other bands. You know, uh, the, the, this, this band was born out of a very dark place for me, man. A very, you know, stuff I, I, I don't care to talk about, but... It was born out of a very rough place in my life, and from shit like depression-wise, which I've dealt with my whole life. And some, there have been some bands and some certain things, you know, and uh, and things like the occult that have really helped me through that, you know. And uh, if if there's some someone that can take away something from uh, this project, you know, good or bad, you know, even if they despise it, I got a reaction out of them. So mm. you know, and it, it's it's also an homage to all the bands that we revere so much and like who we, you know, it's musically, it's, it's our tribute to the old gods, man, in every way, you know? So, well, that's what I was going to say is that uh, you could tell that this is a very, it comes from a very different space than bumping uglies, casket backed bastards, which sometimes always seemed like a, a wink, you did with a wink and a smile. 
Sure, absolutely. There, there, there's no wink and a smile here. This no. is they're not serious. actually you're con contractually not allowed. Yeah. To um, a wink or b <laughs> smile. Um, <laughs> there there are financial um, penalties, <laughs> penalties, yeah. and there are repercussions for such things. But I mean, I just the way it should be. You know, I kid, but yeah. no, it's it's because it's a different thing. Yeah. And that's exactly the idea. Yeah, it is you don't want to get from a different place. You, you know, for sure. it's yeah. it's people know that we're this amalgam of all these other bands. Okay. Sure. Um, it's it's quite a collection of projects that Her Dark Host is that, right when you look at all that are involved. Yeah. Um, but you know, w while we celebrate that, we 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 don't want anyone to come into it with those preconceived notions, right? They, to oh well, it's, we don't want to. We'll see what how the Raw Dogs guy sounds, no, right? This is all completely or let, let's see how the wrestler sounds, or let's let's see, right? That's not anything about that. It's, so it's completely different, and that's part of it. It's from right from the aesthetic to the actual atmosphere and it and it's all part and parcel now before we uh move on from the music part i i did have a question as as one les paul man to another <laughs> what do you, what's what's your les paul that you're playing right now i, I know you have a bunch but what's your go-to right now if you were going to play Dark, her dark host uh my baby man uh it's a 1993 wine red les paul custom i've had it I've seen it in the show, in the pictures. It's yeah. a sweet guitar. I've had her since probably 99, something like that. Busted her headstock off three or four <laughs> times. I've had, you know, it, it, it's, it's well-worn, you know, but that hands down is the best guitar I've ever owned or played. Uh, the Gibson Les Paul Custom, to me, any day of the, the week is the, the ultimate guitar. Everyone has their their theories, you know. I have a I have a couple of cool little copies that are, are I, I dick around with. Um, I, I do like a Les Paul, like a, an old standard, you know. But uh, I like the bite and the heaviness of the of what the custom offers versus the other guitars. And I really like the uh, the ebony fretboard and just the the weight of that body. It's like a fucking weapon, you know what I mean? Oh like yeah. When you, when you play a Les Paul custom and the the one I. I, I bought the one I had. It was kind of a, I was, went to the store to buy a different guitar. Someone had had that one on layaway and then didn't want it. And uh, I was looked at it and said, holy fuck, it's the same color as Ricky Rat's Les Paul Custom, <laughs> right? From the Trash Brats. Sure. I'm like, it's a fucking wine red Les Paul Custom. I was like, holy fuck, man. And Ricky Rat's one of the coolest guitar players fucking ever, you know? I'll take it, you know? And it's just, it's kind of, I guess... I guess it's evolved into my signature guitar too, but you know, I, I, I do play other guitars, but uh, my fingers don't accommodate Fender necks very well. I, you know, I just like the way Gibson Les Paul plays and sounds. I have some Epiphone Les Pauls that are pretty nice too, you know, that. Some of the newer Epiphones actually sound and feel close to a Gibson, but not quite there, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you won't catch me buying, like, a brand-new Gibson Les Paul Custom, although the new ones are fucking sweet. I just oh, saw yeah. The, the, but uh, I, I definitely would consider buying an old one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but if I'm going to, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, because it's kind of like buying, it's the same thing with Marshall Amps or Harley Davidson's, right? You're paying for the fucking name, you know? But old ones are bitching, man, you know? And, like... You know, I, I play through a Sun Beta Lead rig right now, which is a rad fucking old vintage 78, oh, yeah. loud as fuck rig, you know. And with that Les Paul custom, it's just so meaty, you know. But you plug a Les Paul in a, like a Marshall JCM 800, 
turn everything up all the way. Like you'll never go wrong. Like literally, uh, it is the greatest fucking sound in the it, it, to me in life. <laughs> now, given your stage show, both with the the BNU and with uh, for Dark Host, do you have guitars that you won't bring on stage for no some reason? No, I don't have any collector guitars or anything okay. like that. My the last Paul custom is probably getting close to retirement. Okay. It gets seen some wars. Yeah, like I've had to ha- you know, I've had to have it rewired because the blood and sweat corrodes the wiring, you know. I've had to have pickups replaced because of the tears. blood. <laughs> Again, the next the heads I've snapped the headstock off three or four times. Uh the, the bridges get concave because of my big fucking meat hooks hammering down <laughs> on them. They actually fucking bow out. Sure. And you you could kind of hammer them out a couple times, you know, but at, at some point, um, you know, they just, uh, but, you know, all those things considered, like that guitar still fucking stays in tune. Yeah. Last time the headstock broke, it didn't snap all the way, and the fucking thing was still in tune. Josh was there. <laughs> like, if my, my, I had a strap Testify. lock fail. It fucking fell. You had a strap lock fail? Yeah, I've been playing guitar thirty or twenty, almost thirty years. And yeah, never no, had what, it happen except one fucking time. Yeah, and no, that's why you have a strap lock. It's because yeah. you don't want them to fail. Yeah, the safety net <laughs> failed. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm, you know, to be honest, I'm not a gear guy, man. I'm not like a yeah. geeky guy. You know, like I. I Me neither. I, I like old. I like inexpensive, and I like workhorse stuff that yeah. can take a fucking pounding. Stuff that can get thrown in and out of a fucking van that can get kicked over. that Slapped around a little bit. That's what I like, you know. Yep. That's the kind of guitars I like, you know. Perfect. Thank you. I play drums. I play drums. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, Movado. So we've broken off into Her Dark Host. Your tag team partner has left the ring. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. So You want to talk depression? <laughs> well, I mean, but you're tearing it up right now. That's right, brother. Okay. What uh, was was there a, a dark period for you there? Or? Yeah, it was rough. I mean, just it's what everything what Bubba was saying it was just tough. I mean, the the same spots that you had as a tag team when mm-hmm. when things change are just not available to you as a singles guy, and certain opportunities weren't there and whatever. Um, so it just took a while of just kind of you know just keep going and kind of mm-hmm. work at it and try and you know chip this down and you know parlay the the popularity of the bump and uglies right mm-hmm. and try and ride that <laughs> into my own thing um so yeah it's just uh it just took a little while and just some some evolution and you know finally i think in the last couple of years since i i finally started to um, take my physical appearance more seriously than i used to um i think that's made a big difference well let's talk about that i mean the last what, year and a half maybe yeah um, I mean, you've dropped over 100 pounds now, right? It has been, yeah. And that's uh, through the magic of? EDP yoga. I was going to say, okay. Bang. Yeah. Diamond Dallas Page, uh, single-handedly one of my favorite humans in, in all of time and space uh, for what he's been able to do. And then uh, vice versa then, or not vice versa, but vis-a-vis, Zach mm-hmm. Gowan. Yeah. Zach Gowan, um, I just saw the difference that it was making in his life. I mean, he was turning from a bag of milk, kind of just... yeah normal indie guy with one leg yeah um, granted so nothing's normal about that but he all of a sudden he was like defined and he was in great shape and his mental attitude had turned around and you know he just like i was like what's happening with you 
I asked him, what is happening? You know, I was kind of, I was like, are you maybe on the stuff? Right. I thought. And he said, no, DDP yoga, bro. <laughs> bro. <laughs> and that's what got me. I mean, I saw what it did for him. I saw the difference that it made. And he said, you got to try it. You know, so I basically sought out some of the workout routines. And I, you know, I was already involved at the House of Truth uh, wrestling school. So mm-hmm. I decided to pop in some, some of the DVDs up there. And, uh, you know, with, with the Earth Wife and I, we were going up there and, and just trying out the DVDs in the ring. Uh, and then it kind of started where whoever could come prior to class or whoever could show up with us and work out, we would do that. Super um, beneficial. Which was great. And then, you know, Zach himself started coming to the class, so we kind of started doing that, which helped his certification yep. in the program, along with our friend Brian Duran. Uh, and then now now I'm going for my certification. But it... <laughs> It's really, uh, it's you know, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. The classic thing, right? Yep. I was o- I was over three hundred pounds for much of my adult life, or close to it. Um, damn near three hundred, if I wasn't over three hundred, depending on which scale, right? I, I was yeah, which, or which scale I, yeah. I decided to believe. It was after lunch or after dinner. Yeah. So you know, it just got to the point where physically, from all the years of doing the pro wrestling, doing the martial arts, I was in gymnastics when I was a young kid. Uh, you know, the marching bands. I mean, I was I was fat. I was very physical. I was a very physical fat person, right? And I did a lot with my body. And so with that extra weight, it just, you know, it just stands to reason that it's going to take more of a toll on you. So, and it was, it was my back, my knees, everything. So um, I had a talk with my trainer, Truth Martini, and uh, I was very close to quitting. I mean, the closest I've ever been. Yeah. And I said, you know, I said, Martin, it doesn't make sense to me, like, Everyone else is getting these opportunities. And we all, we do this as indie wrestlers, by the way. Right. You know, we all, woe is me. And these new kids are getting Why these opportunities and yeah. I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, a lot of it is mired in, in, in a bunch of uh, sh- bullshit. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of it really, when you cut through it, it's like you, you have to put in the work. You know, there is aspects to maybe some of the things you choose to believe, but at, at the end of the day, it's up to you, right? Um, and Martin said, I think you're ready for TV now. I like Movado. I'm a Movado fan. I watch you. I see what you do. I like the cartwheel. I like the worm. I like the noises you make. Like you're a star. I'd put you on TV tomorrow. But you have to look in the mirror and say, look at the guys on TV and then look at me. Do you look like that? I said, well, no. That man has a way of wording things that yeah. is just... And it I, just it cut yeah, me, you know, yeah. but it's, it's completely honest. I mean, yep. it's, you know, hey, we're not kids. For lack of a better term, truth. We're, we're, yeah. we're, not, we're not kids. And, 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 uh, and he's right. It's, a, it's an aesthetic business. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 you know, and I trust and revere and respect him till mm-hmm. the day is long, right? So... You know, I took that very seriously, and, and, he, and he told me, he said, if you show me you're serious and make some changes, I will get behind you, and I will help you, which he's done, you know, and he's, put in, he's done a lot for me, you know, over the years. So just that was, the, in between that and then kind of having that spark mm-hmm. and then having it be like, all right, it's time to do something or just forget about it and let everyone keep doing it. And maybe I need to step back. Uh, maybe I'm just taking up the spot, right? 
I don't want to be a spot taker. <laughs> uh, so then it just became a situation of like, all right, I'm going to show, I'm going to do something. And so the, the, the yoga inspired me there. Uh, and then it inspired me to just kind of reinvent myself and to kind of reinvigorate my career, right. you know. So now you're going for your, I, I think you even said you wanted to be the first uh, masked certified DDP yoga instructor. Yes, right. I mean, the idea behind it is, again, like you, there's a recurring theme in, in this interview is like we want to set ourselves apart yep. in all that we do. There's plenty of certified DDP yoga instructors. And in fact, two of my good buddies are, are them. Yep. Um, so if we're looking at a way to differentiate our classes, what class do you want to go to? You know, there's a different flavor of ice. There's a different flavor of ice cream for everyone. 31 flavors. Somebody likes Tutti Fruity. Don't be a liar and tell me you like chocolate when you like vanilla. No, but it's that, you know, right? So, sorry, truth martini impression. That's oh, beautiful. It's um, beautiful. Spot on, by the way. So, the idea being that I want to offer something different and, you know, to have the mask on, to have a bit of a character. You know, I, I'm, you know me, I act goofy as hell. My character is an extension of myself, even though I'm an alien weirdo. Uh, but it, it comes from somewhere. It doesn't just come from nowhere. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, <laughs> and so I really enjoy having fun in leading DDP Yoga when we do it prior to the House of Truth Wrestling School. Even at uh, live shows. Even at live shows. Uh, we, we'll, we'll get together and do, do workouts. Uh, and it really helps to, as goofy and as wild as it is, uh, brings us together it, man. it makes me feel great you know yoga is traditionally very namaste obviously ddp yoga is not um uh, because oh, i feel every morning it's more engaged nah, I'm stay. but that's what hooked me the idea of not not having to um tax my joints physically mm -hmm. i'm not a fan of lifting weights like my brother he would love to go to the gym and lift weights. I'm not built that way. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of lifting I weights. I completely understand that. Um, I don't lift weights. So how's that for a revelation? Right. I do not lift weights. So many people have, have wow, look at your arms or this or that. Like You're getting bigger and all this. How are you doing it? It's DDP yoga. What I'm doing is I'm leaning myself out. I'm using my own body weight to propel my arms and my shoulders with what we do in class. And you've seen it, Rick. Yes. You've seen it, Jason. You guys Absolutely. have been, you, you've been to the class with us. So, I mean, it's nothing you guys don't know. Um, and uh, it's seen my abs, by the way. <laughs> it, the DDP yoga you, is, uh, is, is very different because my, in my wife does yoga and my sister-in-law taught yoga for a while. Right. So I've done the traditional namaste. Right. Like, Which is awesome. Indian yoga. Right. I was never into the, you know, touchy feely part of it. Whereas this, it's a workout, but you get stretched out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. stretching greenies. It's the you first, get the sweat too. Yeah, and, and the stretch. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first workout I've ever done where at the end of it I feel better than I did when I started it. Usually when I leave the gym because I, I did the the weightlifting and the cross training and yeah. the and all that and I I come out of it and I'm just like I'm literally gonna die. And just right. please, please, please let me get home before I throw up. With DDP Yoga, I walk out of there feeling like I'm 20 years old again and I want to go do cartwheels. Right? There yeah. it is. Hey. <laughs> and I mean, like, not to be overdramatic about it, but no. I feel like it saved my life. It's, I don't know, like, that I was going to die, boom, boom, doom and gloom. 
but it was definitely just, changed. It, it's it was completely like, uh, turned me around. It's turned my mental attitude around. Things yeah. are possible now. Instead of me looking at the world as why me, boohoo, and all these things, blaming others, you know, I've kind of taken a different outlook on yeah. life in general. Uh, and, you know, just it's really helped, you know, the perspective that it helps uh, to bring and just like everyone that's involved with it is very positive. And I dig that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of into the whole PMA thing without making it, you know, like a, cl a cliche type of thing. But I'm into that, you know, I think uh, when when people are uh, get together in the same type of a goal, I think it's powerful, you know, and it, and it helps. So like it's it's really helped me. Zach's helped me. DDP's helped me being able to meet uh, Paige himself and, and actually tell him that uh, really moved me. It was really moving to me to be able to do that. It meant a lot because of how it's just changed me completely. Uh, and, you know, for him to, like, put me over in front of the entire class and talk about how what I've done. And I'm like, what does this guy put me over for? Yeah. Like, this is, are you kidding me right now? I felt like he was going to turn around and give me the damn diamond cutter. <laughs> you know, it's like, this yeah. is crazy. You're um, skipping out of that class. Yeah, I mean, like, that energy and stuff. It's the energy. It's yeah. it's powerful, you know. And, and so. Very influential. Um, yeah, like I said, that's reinvigorated my career and just made things to where, like, now things are possible. Um, you know, I, I've, I've tried to change my look up, go away from the, the old traditional uh, black and burgundy and, and blue type look that the Bump and Uglies were kind of known for mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of reinvent myself into several different looks and, and different masks. Say, you've, and you've, earlier we talked about the evolution of the, the, the B&U gear. Now it's the Movado gear. And yeah, every show you have a different look. Well, not quite. I, I don't know that. <laughs> well, right, but what's well, great about what I do have and what I little little one of the secrets that I do is like the, a lot of what I have is intertwinable and interchangeable. I was just gonna say it, so it might be it, yeah, you know, the, the mask different. from a certain set of tights, right. set different tight. It's just yeah. there's always a little change in you. It's it's all the Movado look, right? But yeah, every is just a little different. So every show, you know, yeah. now you special, now you might even see a cape here and there now. Oh, when oh, you pulled right. that cape out at Ula La Lucha, I was like, holy Rogue, son. shit. Yeah, yeah, that was so cool. Can I Woke. just say, too, that I love uh, the mask and a suit look? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I think that is... That's classic. Just, that's an homage. Yes. Yeah. It's perfect, though. It's perfect because it's, it's you doing an homage, but it's also you showing that you're very serious about this. Mm. And I love it. Yeah. Does, Strictly business. Does that yeah. harken back to those Revolucha days where you were bringing in these luchadors from Mexico? Were they showing up in suits? Or? Mil. Mil Mascaris was. Yeah. Uh, Ultimo Dragon. Slick. Uh, really? Slick. I mean, <clears throat> slick. Yeah. Not all the guys. Yeah, right. You know, uh, a lot of the guys be looking like Idris, Abraham, and Joe Coleman. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, you know, they'd be walking around in their flops and their tank tops like... Five sizes too small. They're jacked out of their minds. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like Ray Mysterio Sr. came in like looking like a bum uh, with, with a backpack, you know, and Ready that's what work. he had. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, a backpack had all his stuff. It was incredible what he pulled out of this backpack <laughs> and like looked awesome. Yeah. Right? You're like, holy yeah. guy, this is Ray Mysterio Sr. Ah! He just right? pulled that out of a bag. But he didn't. No, he, he walked he up the showed street up, like he came yeah, off the street. Non-assuming, yeah. you would never know. Now, Mill shows up, you know. 
you know. Ultimo showed up. Dragon take his pants off and have so Ultimo Dragon showed up for us in his gear because he <laughs> earlier in the day well, did a couple shows for us. Early, yeah, yeah. The one show at the Royal Oak Music Theater earlier in the day, he was in Mexico City doing the, his Dragon Mania pay per view, which was an afternoon Mexico City to Royal Oak pay per view. Yeah. Then, then he flew to Royal that Oak he to flew do our show in his gear with with his suit on over his gear. So like it was like Superman. He walked in. Yeah. Blue to the Royal Oak. So you hear that, you yeah. fucking whiny indie guys, right? Yeah. With no fucking worth work ethic at yeah. all. Our buddy Cuz picked him up from the airport. Thanks, yeah. Cuz. <laughs> seriously, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's that's a fucking professional oh, right the there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he literally he showed up to the Royal Oak Music Theater and had his gimmicks on still under his fucking pimp ass suit and had his merch ready to go and was ready to fucking go. Got in the mat and Legit. gave us a five star fucking match. You know, like oh well, that, that crowd seems popped to be... so hard. I literally went yeah. in the crowd just to watch his entrance and I knew you know brought a tear. But my I respect eye, you know that. I mean? Like it was yeah. Oh, it was well deserved. But here's the guy that like that's he could why he could have canceled he did us. that. And we're, you know, that. we're some indie in Detroit, Michigan. Right. Right. He's got his own pay-per-view he's running in Mexico City. Way bigger deal than the show he's doing for us. But I'm he sure honored he his it. booking because, you know. What you do, you're right. Came and kicked ass. And, like, that kind of professionalism is something that, when working with those guys, has just always inspired me. Um, I'm not going to claim that I'm on that level. Don't, don't get it twisted. No, but you can see um, But it's that something it's, to aspire to. Yeah. And it's something that... You can that, see the influence. Right. That's, it's something I do take seriously. Yeah. So I always yeah, I'd limp around the locker room and think about the time I saw Sabu limp around the locker room. I was like, okay, I'm okay. I'll be all right. <laughs> he did it. I'm gonna so when you guys transitioned it. from Bumpin' Ugly's the band to, okay, now we're going to be these luchadors as part of Revolucha, when those guys came in from Mexico, did something click? Did something... Did, you're like, holy shit, we, this is... It seems like that that's where maybe a lot of this was being ingrained into you. Absolutely. Yeah. No, there's beyond, no question. Beyond the beatings that you're taking in the yeah. ring from <laughs> Sweet Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. We watching those guys connect and seeing the culture. Yeah. It was just something that was like, yeah, yeah. I it's just us. I want to be a part of it. So I fully recognize, you know, that that being a couple of gringos and whatnot, you know, we're 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 not trying to act as though we're Mexican. I don't want people to get it twisted. You no. know, it's it's not anything that I want to disrespect or, or anything like that, um, you know, because it's not my heritage. Mm -hmm. um, however, it is something that I tremendously do respect. Uh, and with our characters, we're masked, but we've never necessarily claimed to be luchadors. Yeah, it's oh, okay. kind of a hybrid thing. That's, that's, you know? it, that's something that people have put on us. It's something that people have put on me. I'm known as a luchador. I think that's because I wear a mask. Uh, I don't really describe what i do as lucha libre necessarily no but you i think it's but it because, works in yeah. those cons in that construct right? i think it's like because it you exude that lucha i guess authenticity feel authenticity perfect yeah and that probably was ingrained into you through these revolutions That's exactly shows. right that la parka yeah. was the, the biggest uh influencer for me and then also they the, you know they ruben and uh parka and them helped to get us bookings you know originally yeah on some really heavy lucha shows like yeah. in Chicago for a guy named Rocky Roman who has since passed away. Yeah, rest but, in uh, peace, Rocky. But Rocky through these, you know, he put us on some shows that yeah. we were literally the only gringos. Only ones we speaking English. We were literally English. the only dudes that could speak, like couldn't speak Spanish, you know? <laughs> and that's a real wake up call, you know? But like some of these shows, a couple thousand people, you know what I mean? Like these are really fucking good shows. And like the, the guys that, I mean, 
dude, like how many how many famous luchadors were on these shows? I mean, geez. all of them, like, basically. Like, yeah, like <laughs> seriously, like I mean, straight like, up. Like the biggest names in Lucha Libre were on were on Rocky shows, you know. So and like the first one I ever worked, Josh ended up being in the main event with La Parca versus like Blue Demon Junior and and uh, another gentleman that has passed, Hijo del Cien Caras. Um, so <laughs> you know like, what I mean? Like first, yeah, like huge main event with these dudes who are fucking main eventing like cards at Arena Mexico. You know what I mean? Like you know, like it, it, and that was a whole. And that that was we kind of had an, an in with that world then you know what I mean like that other indie guys didn't have you know like right through through doing those shows you know so real quick Friday June thirtieth at Smalls yeah her dark host single release or seven inch release yes sir uh, eleven dollars at the door doors are at eight yes sir cover charge get you a copy of the get you a vinyl copy yeah a limited yeah, edition vinyl of it, yep okay and Movado. Yeah. You're everywhere, man. Yeah, you're follow, everywhere. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, you ready to take it home? Yeah, yeah. All righty.
can we pause one second? Yeah. For editing? Oh, sure. Havoc was his name. Patrick Burton. Okay. Through the magic of the internet. Havoc. Patrick, that was his name. Patrick Burton on the 438 hotlines was known as Havoc. He replied to my comment. Oh, did and you that's just text through him? the magic of the internet? All right. We now know. Yeah. So post edit, we can wrap That'll, that together. Yeah, I'll, so I'll tie say, that in somehow. Just say Havoc, and he'll just drop that name in. All right. So Havoc. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then now <laughs> that'd be, that'd be edit. a funny ass fucking edit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then hey, now, I'm sorry, bro. I'm love sorry. Love you, bro. Okay. And now. Um, <laughs>